Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Happy Monday. Good Monday. Happy Tuesday. It's the Sports Animals now on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, look out. We're going to start uh, off with some uh, bad news here. We've got a, it looks like a cyclist down. Um, we got the road closed on Lumiina Street. Uh, northbound, uh, the accident was on uh, Cam Highway by Waipio Uka Boulevard. So uh, up there in the Waipio area, traffic's going to be a little bit of a mess. All right, let's start the show with our headlines today. Uh, University of Hawaii wins the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic for the first time ever. First time in the championship game, and it couldn't have been any more dramatic than the way that played out. That looked like a game they were not going to win, especially down the stretch when they threw the ball away twice in the last 20 seconds, down by two, and then Jovan McClanahan happened. It's a three-pointer and gets fouled. I didn't realize he got fouled at first, and that place erupted. That was a moment people who were there or watched or listened will never forget. That was really an incredible day. Perfect Christmas present to everybody. All right. Uh, apparently, over the weekend, we found out that DJ Uyunglele is not coming to the University of Hawaii. All right. Cross that off our list. <laughs> we're hopeful, but, yeah, I mean, I guess it wasn't a – it just gets we get our hopes up when other people are mentioning it beside people here, and uh, I guess it was not to be. Tua Tagovailoa is in concussion protocol again. Yeah, that uh, boy, that's getting scarier and scarier. Not only looking at it for this season, but of course his health overall and for his future. When you get three of those within like two or three months, that's not a good sign. And I, I just hope he can be healthy first of all. But uh, it really puts a damper on their season to say the least. With what they were before, now with a four-game losing streak and two of being hurt, wow, just unfortunate, really sad. Yeah, and this is the part where, I mean, you hear the cliches and stuff, but it is true. I mean, you really care about uh, him not as a football player, but as a uh, husband and son. And, uh, you know, news like this doesn't really end well. I mean, so many concussions that we know about. I mean, you know, he's had three concussions already. They say, I guess, officially it was two concussions and the first thing, who knows what that was. But now it just seems like it gets easier and easier and easier once you've had that first concussion to have another concussion afterwards. Um, they're going to be easier and easier to have. At what point, and, you know, I don't have all the news and I'm no doctor, but I'm just seriously just thinking, at what point do you say, eh, is football that important? I'm sure it's something he and his family have talked about. And, I mean, again, I, I was going to say I hope he plays football for a very long time, which would be for selfish reasons because we love watching him play football. But I'm really caring about his health more than anything. And, again, when you have that close together, 
That is really scary. You said a minute ago they don't always end well, don't usually end well when you have situations like this. Let's just hope and pray for the best for Tua health-wise first, first of all. Yeah, uh, I think we agree on that. I, You know, the conversation should have been, at this point, the conversation really was aiming towards, after winning three in a row, you're nearing the end of the season, you're on a rookie contract, I wanted to be talking about how much Tua was going to get paid. You know, are they yeah. going to take care of this? Well, because I mean, that's really kind of what they what they do. Are you are you going to have to pay Tua? Are they going to put him? You know, they can always franchise tag him next year or whatever the year is. Uh, you know, if they pick up their fifth year option, yada 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 yada. It was a conversation they were having in New York about Daniel Jones. Well, they didn't pick up his option. And look at the year he's having. Much improvement. Now they're going to have to pay him more if they want to keep him. And I don't see the Giants moving on from Daniel Jones. So with Tua Tonga-Vailoa, is he going to – you can't – this stops all negotiations. Or it it really – you're stuck if you're the Dolphins. Is Tua going to be able to play a full season of football? So far, he hasn't. But what if he never gets hurt again? As the Dolphins, you're kind of stuck in a situation here with, okay, what do we do with the guy? We know he's good, but you have to be able to be healthy to be able to contribute to the success of the team. We went out and get all of these offensive weapons, offensive line help, all of this stuff, and we still... The answer is the the question isn't answered. Is Tua the quarterback of the future? Not because he can't play, because obviously he can. Everyone can see that. Yes. But the but the conversation is: Is he going to be healthy enough to play? We got a draft coming up. What do we do in that draft? Do we look for a quarterback of the future? I think it's a. They really have to consider this because, I mean, they can't give him a long-term deal at major dollars, I don't think, like they might have otherwise. I think it's a really tough decision. And maybe they wait till the offseason when he can pass enough physicals or a concussion test that maybe, you know, he's not as much as risk if that's even a possibility. But, you know, before, like you said, it's it doesn't, be a it doesn't It doesn't go away from a summertime of not playing football. That's my point is if you're not playing football, sure, you're not going to get concussed. <laughs> but... At the same time, you go out there in live action, you're firing with live bullets, and here comes another concussion or an ankle or an arm or a knee or go down the list. It's really sad if this is going to be the, you know, this is what spells his career. But at the same time, it's better to be alive later on in life than to risk it all to play football. Yeah, it is. every now and then you'll hear a player say, if I had to do it all over again, I'd do it again. I knew what I was signing up for. I knew the risk, and that's that's scary to hear. I don't know Tua well enough to know how he feels about that. I'm sure he doesn't want to retire because of this. But like you said, health is obviously more important. Now he's a dad in addition to being a husband, so he's got a lot of things to consider. And again, the Miami Dolphins have a lot to consider. And a month ago, this didn't seem like it would be a con- as much of a concern. And then you get the two concussions, and the third one just makes it a lot riskier. I, I, I wonder what they're telling themselves as, as far as ownership and management on what they're going to do, because they're going to have to decide one way or the other as well. Yeah. Um, nowadays, more and more, you hear of people retiring early because of concussions 
And, you know, that's a good thing where guys have taken into their hands. There was that guy, I don't know, who was a linebacker or somebody for the 49ers recently yeah. who was, you know, he's going to Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl in his young career, and then all of a sudden he said, no, nope, too many concussions, I'm stopping. You know, that guy's living a happy life right now. So with uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, we can only wait and see, but I don't see this ever getting better unless he stops getting sacked. I, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know however else to put it. You're not all of a sudden going to be back to – I don't think you are, and I'm not a doctor again, but I don't think you get to go – you go back to how it was previously. Once you start getting concussions, it's, uh, you know, it's 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 sad. So, anyway, uh, we'll follow that news and uh, see what goes on with uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, uh, once again now in concussion protocol. Yeah, they've got, again, looking at it from the football's perspective, they have two games left. They win them both. They're in the playoff. But they got New England, who they've favored for the first time in 20 years at New England, and Tua hasn't lost to a Bill Belichick team yet. And then they have the Jets after that. I, I don't know if this is going to be a playoff team because Tua is definitely not playing this Saturday or this Sunday um, against New England. He's not playing in that game. And you would think it looks a little iffy as of now for the other game against the New York Jets, so I'm sure they would beat with a healthy Tua. And, you know, from a football perspective, again, I'm not sure if they're going to even be playing after that because other teams are right behind them. Pittsburgh is one of them. Tennessee is one of them. The well, well I think them. with the Chargers with the Chargers win yesterday, uh, that makes it real tough on them. Uh, the Chargers left. With, with nine, right, with nine. The Chargers are leading the pack, I believe, in, in that situation. But like I said five minutes ago, I don't think you play them. I think you rest the guy, and I think a lot of uh, former football players – who have chimed out about this, say, you know what? Time to rep. That's it for the season. You're done. You're done. It could be. I mean, it really could be whether he gets a little bit better because of the risk involved. I mean, with three in one season, a possibility of a fourth in such a short time frame, I, I can see that happening. And, again, that's not the priority as far as playing football, but uh, this thing has really taken a turn. From uh, three, four weeks ago, we were talking about where he would be in the MVP race. And it's not only that he's hurt that's going to well, take care of that, but also his play in the field of late, unfortunately. I, I don't know that Tua was – maybe he was in the conversation, but it, I don't think Tua was going to win the MVP over Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes, but he was in the conversation of guys having a really good season. He wasn't um, going to win it over it, those guys, but he was He was like no. – uh, by Vegas, he was like third or fourth for a while. Right. And, yeah, and, and unless those guys got hurt, which Jalen Hurts did, which is another conversation. I don't think Jalen Hurts – I don't think Jalen Hurts should be uh, penalized for being out a couple of games. Uh, no. He should – you know, in my mind, he's still – you know, I'm guessing that people might have Patrick Mahomes' um, um, fatigue when it comes to all of these postseason awards. And if that happens, I think he'd give it to Jalen Hurts. But um, uh, we'll see when he's going to come back. Do you, do you know if he's coming back this weekend? They, they're not saying if he is or not yet. He's still, I guess, questionable from what I read yesterday. And, yeah, I think he, he, those are the two front runners. They're, they're by themselves as far as who's going to win it, Mahomes and Hurts sure. right now. Sure. Yeah. So, anyway, but um, with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Anyway, we'll see. We just want the guy, you know what, just be healthy. Yes, be healthy yes. for your family. And you know what, I'm – He's made a little bit of money. Hopefully, you uh, you know he still has it, and we'll see what happens. It's again when you look at from the the franchise's uh, point of view, they've got to be in. Just, they're, they're they're just kind of stuck right now with what uh, what they're going to do in the future. 
Alan Popar from AllDolphins.com is going to join us in about uh, 20 minutes. Maybe he has some latest information or whatever. But speaking of the NFL, and I, this should have been a headline too, is, well, the uh, first coach got fired in the NFL today, and surprise, 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 Nathaniel Hackett, after a 4-11 and start and embarrassing losses, not just the one over the weekend to the Rams, but uh, other ones on national TV, the new Denver Broncos ownership couldn't handle it anymore. They said, oh, man, 15 games in, you're gone. That's sad. And it also want, it makes you wonder about um, who's going to replace him. Who's going to be the new coach right. of the, the third, Denver Broncos? Third coach to get fired this season, actually. Frank Wright got fired. Oh, that's and right. And Matt Rule right. got fired from Carolina as well. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Tanner, uh, thank you for the text. Um, so, yeah, but those guys got fired so soon, it makes you kind of think, oh, that was that this season? And anyway, Nathaniel Hackett is out. I wonder which is the best job. You got the Colts, you got the Broncos, and what was the other one? But Carolina. Carolina. And, uh, you know, I hope the, the, I think the, the interim guy for Carolina seems to be doing okay. Yeah, really? I mean, all of a sudden, Sam Darnold's looking like an NFL quarterback. Steve Wolf the, is there, I guess. Yeah. The Denver Broncos, I mean, they've got all the weapons. They've had some injuries to their running game. They've got the defense, obviously. I mean, just look at the numbers. And, um, you know, they've got a former Pro Bowl quarterback who, for whatever reason, uh, isn't playing like he should be. But they've got all the weapons. I mean, I think that's the best job. People, I remember in August, leading into the season, people were saying Denver would be a playoff team and all that. And I was against, I, I wasn't against Nathaniel Hackett. I just figured it's going to be a little tougher for a rookie head coach to be that good that soon. But it could happen. I also don't feel like less than a year is enough. I mean, is it his is it his fault? Russell Wilson has played as poorly as he has. Might be some of the play calling. They've had time management issues. But to fire a guy before even a full season is completed, including the injuries, I don't, I don't think that's fair to almost any coach to get fired that soon in football. Yeah, but this, this is the NFL. There's nothing that nothing of fair comes into it. Nobody goes, oh, that's not fair. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Right. It's not being fair to him. Maybe it was just over his head. He's one of these guys that. Uh, <laughs> You know, he looked good because of the players around him where he came from, and he was really good in job interviews. That's apparently the situation with the guy. Uh, good coordinator, good teacher, not a great head coach. When After, like, game two or whatever it was, you got to hire somebody to stand next to him on the sideline to tell him when to take timeouts. And that's the I interim mean, that, coach You shouldn't now. have to do that. You, what? And he's now the interim head coach. Yeah. <laughs> way to work your way up the ladder quickly. Well, it's better than Jeff Saturday, isn't it? It's uh, sure. 17 minutes after the hour here with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. It's going to be sunny today, partly cloudy tonight, high in the mid-80s, low in the mid-60s, depending where you are. Winds are out of the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. We'll be right back. Hey, congratulations to uh, University of Hawaii Rainbow Warrior Jovan McClanahan. He was named the Big West Men's Basketball Player of the Week. How about that? 
I guess we're not really surprised after what he did on Sunday. And even looking back to game two of the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic on Friday night, he had a career-high 17 points. So he had a really good tournament. He was the MVP of the tournament, of course, and uh, capped it off with something, again, that will not be forgotten for a long time. That was just, uh, I mean, I've seen that replay probably at least 30 times. Everybody seemed to have a video of it on Twitter or Instagram and a couple of different angles of it. But that place was electric. Christmas Day crowd going crazy. Uh, almost like they won a conference championship. The way that all played out, again, was a perfect scenario with all that drama. And it couldn't have happened to, a, to me almost a better guy because he has faced a lot of criticism. Well, I shouldn't say maybe a lot, but more than any other player over the last two years from fans as far as his inability to score enough to their liking. Why is he playing so many minutes? Questions like that every time he plays. Hopefully those questions will go away. That was nice to see that his dad, I guess, made the trip <laughs> yeah. to spend his Christmas in the islands. And what a Christmas present that was. You know, a guy who, um, Samuta Avea and Kamaka Hepa, from the players, and I'll even throw in there Bernardo Da Silva to a point. Those guys, something up, you know, we know what you have with Noel Coleman and uh, McClanahan. But, you know, Hawaii's bigs. And I. I don't know what it's been, but I remember watching the um, some of the game when they're up at uh, BYU playing, and you're like, you know, these guys, they're just not even playing hard. What are they doing? It's like Samuta Vea doesn't want the ball. Something happened. I don't know if it was at a practice or at a game or something, but lately, Samuta Vea and Kamaka Hepa, I mean, those guys are playing like beasts. Kamaka Hepa, uh, after the first game, he didn't have the offensive stats that you might talk about when you're talking about a star player but boy you know if you have a if you have a player of the 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 tournament the most valuable player well it's a guy that's scoring all the points right or doing you know scoring a lot of points and then having the game winner to win the championship but you got to recognize guys like kamaka Epa and the defense that he played i mean that guy it was like he never got tired and when you're six ten, and you're constantly in that long, and you're constantly in the other guy's faces, it's why um, you know maybe that he held some of these teams to you know the shooting percentage that they did. I think Kamaka has done a good job, and Jerome DeRosier has pointed that out a couple of times on Countdown the Tip Off, our pregame show, how he's doing a lot of things besides scoring. But he did have that stretch, like the St. Francis game a few Sundays ago, had a career high thirty point. Uh, he's had really good first halves in several games this year, but not full or very well played offensively second half. But lately, he has been tearing it apart. Tamutave is doing the same thing, but the but last I'm talking about games, defense, not how he did offensively in the first half. Defense. What I'm, what, what I'm the topic here is Kamaka Hepa's defense. I mean, those players were. Uh, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, I'm in protocol myself right now, so I'm not able to leave or I haven't been able to leave the house uh, the past few days. But the um, the with Kamaka Hepa, I mean, the announcer is talking about his defense. And really, the, the Rainbow Warriors as a whole. I mean, these are the guys, they, they, they're trying to, um, with SMU, for example, they're trying to get in there and be physical. They're very long, and that threw Hawaii off. But, um, you know, Hawaii as a defense and the coaching that Iran Ganat has done with these guys, you got to, you, you got 
I mean, defense wins championships, right? I think somebody texted that in. Hawaii, if they play defense like this, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to be very successful in Mountain West Conference play, which kicks off, by the way, or uh, Big which West. tips off on Thursday. Big West play does start Thursday. Their defense has been really good this year. They're holding opponents to under 40% shooting, which is incredible. Yeah. They're in, like, the top 35, I believe, in several categories, especially three-point shooting, holding opponents to 27%. Yeah. So the defense of the team has been really good all season long. The competition is going to get a little bit tougher, though, and it did get tougher over this last weekend from some of the teams they played in November. So we'll have to see. But this past weekend was a good test, and they came through really doing well defensively in all three games, I thought. I can't believe that um, SMU came into the championship game with a record of 5-7. and seven. They must have played been uh, played some pretty good teams. They, they played Arizona State, uh, Texas A&M. They did have a tough schedule, and they came in 3-7 and seven into this tournament. They, they were fortunate to get past the first game. They were losing badly to Iona by 12 points with about six minutes left and then went on a tear, like a 19-4 to run to win that game by four. I think the bigger upset was when they beat Utah State in the semifinal of this tournament because Utah State, I, most people would think, would be the favorite in this tournament going into it. And what they did to them, it was a close game, but SMU really showed with that. Their guard play is really, really good. Phelps and Nuttall were really, really good guards coming in. Uh, I've heard people say Nuttall could be an NBA guard. And they, he's averaging about 19.5 points a game. Phelps, I think, was about 13.5. But they, did, they, they played really well against Hawaii. Because Hawaii came in, I thought, playing really well after the first two games, and SMU gave them all they could handle and really should have won the game. They, You know, they missed a couple of free throws down the stretch, and Hawaii gave them the ball back twice in the last 30 seconds, and still SMU that one, couldn't pull them away. <laughs> that one that bounced off of uh, off of Coleman's foot, it was like, oh, my oh, yeah. gosh, I think that was the second one. I mean, you got to be thinking to yourself, okay, what else can go wrong here? I mean, we were trying to give them the game, and then it was like, what? Okay, we got the ball with – I don't know, 4.8 seconds, whatever. It was. We, we yeah. got that much time? Okay, well, anything could happen. And, man, and you have one of those one of those shots where uh, McClanahan is floating in the air as his uh, body is kind of, his legs are going up in the air, kind of going behind him. He's getting, it looks like he's going to go diagonal and start flying like Superman. And he hits that shot. I mean, that's such a hard shot to hit because you're not stationary. You're floating in the air. You're floating forward towards the basket. That's such a hard shot. I mean, look, so the basketball gods have just, you know, they've figured, you know what, let's give it to Hawaii. Because, like you said, I mean, our that was our, what was that, our first lead of the game? Or our first lead at the end of the game was, like, after it was, like, two to nothing? I mean, it was yeah. crazy. I mean, Hawaii could not, could not, it's like we're down by 12 in the second half. And it's like we'd get it up to six, and then, you know, you look back, okay, we're down by 12. Oh, we got it up to six, we're down by 12. And then it was just the, mirac- the most strange ending with Hawaii trying to give the ball game away, and they couldn't. Boy, those SMU guys, they were, they were just a long team. They were that was a, it was, that's a, that was a bad matchup for Hawaii because no matter how hard Hawaii played, and they played hard. You know, look at Beyond Riley and those cats, but the it was just it was just such a bad matchup, and we still ended up winning that game. Man, 
Hawaii only had the lead for two minutes and 33 seconds of that game. One second, technically, was the last second of the game. The other two and a half were in like the first three or four minutes of the game when there was a couple of lead changes. But they didn't have the lead for the majority of this game, and they kept chipping away. And again, in the last minute, again, I, I did not feel confident about that. And 4.8 is a lot of time. Still, I, you, I, what I'm thinking, they're going to have to force a shot. Hopefully, they'll get fouled because it's a tough shot either way. When you're not going to foul the guy, but you're going to play tough defense. And again, that shot he made, he said he had all the confidence in the world. And he said he knew something was in the air all game long. He said there's something in the air. There's something in the air. We're going to pull this out. Uh, we had him on the fans' voice right after the game, Jovan McClanahan. And, uh, I mean, he, and, he, and he backed it up. I mean, he had all that confidence. And the play was to Noel Coleman, I understand. But if Coleman wasn't open, then Jovan was supposed to take it. I, I, with all the replays I've watched, I don't, I don't remember where Noel Coleman was. I could just watch him McClanahan, McClanahan making that shot. But he was not the first option. But that's another thing. It's, it's, you don't have a lot of time to think and react. You got to do something right away. Make that decision. If you're going to pass it or shoot it, you got to do it quickly. And he did. And uh, good follow through. He gets fouled on top of it. The guy stuck his legs out, and uh, he missed that free throw purposely after that, as he told us on the fans' voice. So some of the time would go off. Uh, so they wouldn't be able to get a shot if he makes the free throw. Though they can get the ball out of bounds and throw, you know, kind of a hail mary pass, only up. Right, by but two. if he makes the but if he makes the shot, then oh, then they're up by two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, Roxy and those guys were like, I don't think he'd miss that shot. I don't think he uh, missed that shot on purpose. He was trying to make it. Oh no, something he did. Tells he... me, something tells me, when he's shooting and he's, you know, he's not even doing his regular routine. It's like he just placed it up there so that it would hit the rim, right? And uh, it was, it looked to me like it was obviously um, he didn't want to hit the shot. But anyway, congratulations to uh, Jovan McClanahan. He wins the uh, – he's on the all-tournament team, and he's the most valuable player, uh, as well as uh, Noel Coleman. Nelly Joseph Jr. from Iona on the all-tournament team, along with Zerk Phelps from SMU and Stephen Ashworth from Utah State. Now, there's a couple of guys in this tournament that I thought might be um, – oh, Dennis Rodman's uh, son was playing. That was kind of cool for Washington yeah. State. He was a pretty good player. Um, Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine. I thought that guy was really good. He scored 23 against Hawaii, but I think he's averaging about 19 points a game. That guy's a pretty good player. I guess when you go one and two in a tournament, you're probably not going to get anybody on the all-tournament team. There's only five yeah. total, unless you had an unbelievable scoring number for all three games. So, uh, Muhammad Gay uh, didn't have a good game against Hawaii from Washington State, but that was a really good player. And it, yeah, again, it just only I, some tournaments will have like five players and an MVP. This only had four and the MVP. Yeah, what I'm not, what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about making the all tournament team. I'm just talking about some really good players, like you mentioned, Nuttle. <laughs> we're talking about Nuttle. <laughs> What's that? There were a lot of good players throughout the tournament. Were, Utah State, right? That's what I'm trying to point out here. Is there was some? There were a lot of really good players in this field. It was kind of an even field. Um, I, I, Rick Pitino talked about that with us last week, and I think when you look at again, if you're going to look at a favorite, it was Utah State on paper coming in, but a lot of people thought it was up for grabs this tournament that there were several teams that actually had a chance, which made it a lot of fun going into it. All right, coming up, Alan Pupar from AllDolphins.com joins us. Keep listening. We're going to give away Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets. Uh, they're playing at the Stan Sheriff Center Thursday and Saturday. 
We'll give away a pair this hour on ESPN Honolulu. A few minutes ago, Chris and I were talking about the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tungavailoa. We're going to get more in-depth with that right now as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. He's the publisher for AllDolphins.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. Joining us once again, Alan Pupar. Alan, hope you had a happy holidays and happy new year coming up. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. The last time we had you on, we were talking about maybe they could win first place in the AFC East, definitely a playoff team, two is going to get MVP consideration. Not all of that is as probable as it was last month, is it? Well, no, and some of it is done right now out the window, starting with, obviously, first place in the AFC, NFL MVP talk. Now it's just about can the Dolphins make it to the playoffs, something that seemed absurd to even suggest that it might not happen when they were 8-3, but what happens when you lose four in a row and now they're heading into their final two games against New England and the Jets and Tua's status is up in the air and even if, even if he does play he's not in a good run right now uh, and you can't you can't chuck up either one of those games as a guaranteed or a very likely win. What is the main cause for this four-game losing streak? I mean, I know Tua hasn't played his best fall. He's had his worst four-game stretch, even when healthy. Is it more than just that for the four-game losing streak? Yeah, it's a combination of factors. And, and as I was saying earlier in the year, when Tua was putting up the gigantic numbers, that it was a, it was a team thing. And when they lose, Tua is going to be the focal point because he's a quarterback. But it's not just him. Uh, and in fact, he played really, really well at Buffalo, and they still lost. It's a combination of the offense is not quite in sync the way it was when it was performing so well. The defense, while it has its moments, has a hard time getting off the field on third down uh, or coming up with the big play at key moments, which happened earlier in the year. Uh, the special teams have been pretty much bad all year. That hasn't helped. Um, and then they've run against good teams where their margin for error maybe isn't quite as as large as it was before, where they could afford to play a game that wasn't quite as sharp and still win, and at times still win comfortably. Uh, but now they don't no longer have that luxury because they're playing really good teams. We're talking Miami Dolphins football with Alan Pupar from the AllDolphins.com site at Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. Joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Let's talk a little bit more about Tua and his future because Chris and I were talking earlier with the third concussion in the year. Before I actually go any further about the third concussion, I want to ask you, how is it possible with what he's gone through, what the NFL has gone through, that they didn't take him out of the game and nobody thought maybe he suffered a hit where they needed to look at this any more closely than they did. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Number one, officially, it's one concussion he's had so far because for the Buffalo game, they're still falling in a back injury, even though the optics suggest more concussion than back injury. Uh, and in this particular case right now, he's in the concussion protocol. It hasn't been determined that he does have a concussion, even though it's, it's entirely likely. Uh, and so, but to get back to your original question, when the play happened, I actually had my eyes on Tua after he released the pass to uh, Durham Smythe right before the two-minute warning, right after. And my first thought was like, "Oh man, he just like you know, he just headbanged on the on, on the grass there." But 
he, there was no hesitation in him going back to the huddle. And there's your answer as to why nothing happened. Um, if I remember correctly, the protocol now is if the spotter sees something that might even suggest gross mortar instability, they yank the player out. Well, again, and, and I don't know, I'd have to read, to, to read it again to see whether just a hard contact of the head to the turf would be enough to, to warn the player of being out. Again, it's going to be bad optics if you look at the replay, and it's very clear that he hit his head on the turf and right. not gently either. So, uh, yeah, that, I, I, I'm going to guess this particular latest episode is going to get viewed, reviewed, re-reviewed many, many times. Right, and rightfully so. Let's talk a little bit more about his future. We were talking earlier. Now that he's had, whether it's three concussions or two concussions and a back injury, he's, got, he's been injury prone again with the head injuries or maybe the back injury as well. What does that do if you're the Miami Dolphins as far as signing him in the offseason to an extension? Well, I, I personally don't think an extension ever was realistic, number one, because for all of the good work he, he I mean, he put up, he displayed during the regular season. We still haven't seen that 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 game, that performance, that statement that says bona fide stamp franchise quarterback. That's our guy for the next ten years. For example, if you talk to the people in Cincinnati or with the Chargers, there is no hesitation whatsoever. They're they're rolling with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert for years to come. I don't know sure. the Dolphins ever were going to be there. The thing with Tua now is the next question is going to be. They had him under contract for 2023. Do they pick up the fifth-year option for 2024? Which is not egregious. I believe it's 22 million. If you have a high-level quarterback, and Tua certainly was playing as a high-level quarterback for most of the season, in that case, to me, it would be a no-brainer. The next issue, though, is going to be the first issue is going to be Tua ascertaining and assessing his future. Because at some point, he made a comment, I think it was to uh, Maria Taylor of CBS, after the Cincinnati concussion, where apparently, he, as I recall, he said something about his parents were kind of like, kind of leaning on him to really consider, you know, maybe giving it up. Right. What's going to be the conversation now after this latest one? So, I'm not a doctor. I certainly wouldn't, you know, I know there's a lot of people on, on social media saying, well, he should retire, he should retire. Well, it's easy to say that's not your career you're talking about. Yeah? Obviously, it's a decision that Tua has to make. I'm sure he's going to be very diligent about getting all the information and all that. And then if he decides to move forward and keep playing, I would still think the Dolphins would pick up the fifth-year option. But as far as a long-term contract extension, I don't think that was ever really uh, in the cards unless there was that definitive statement then that certainly wasn't made before the first game. We'll see how it plays out. They do, I guess, control their own destiny with those two games left. If they win, they should be in the playoffs. Otherwise, you got a whole bunch of tiebreaker scenarios. Should be a fun, exciting couple of weeks. Hopefully, it'll bode well for Miami. Alan, thank you again for talking and breaking it down with Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. When they're in the playoffs, we'll talk to you again, hopefully, next soon in early 2023. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, and I certainly do hope we speak about the Dolphins in the playoffs. Yes, we do as well. Thank you so much. That is Alan Pupar from Sports Illustrated, the Fan Nation Network, talking Dolphins football here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. And Aloha Kia, you know a guy. We'll check your traffic coming up in a moment here on ESPN Honolulu. But as promised, it's time to give away tickets to University of Hawaii Basketball. 
So I'm guessing this is for Thursday night. Tanner, if you can jump in here and confirm nor deny. So this is Thursday night, couple of tickets. Uh, Hawaii taking on UC Davis. Call in right now. Be caller number three, and the tickets are yours from ESPN Honolulu. And we say congratulations to Sean from Hawaii Kai. He got the Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets. Oh, don't fret. We've got more to give away in less than 60 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. It's going to be a nice day today. Sunny all day, partly cloudy tonight. Uh, Winds out of the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. And, you know, we were talking UH basketball earlier they have these conference games starting Thursday. This is the quickest turnaround. Ron mentioned that a couple of times in the last week or two. From the Diamond Head ending to conference play starting, usually you have like one or two games in between. Uh, on the trophy, you would call it a buffer. This is quick. You play on Sunday, and then Thursday, conference play starts. It's strictly conference games from here on out. And these are important games. I'm hoping, and I don't see it happen. I'm hoping this team doesn't have kind of a, a letdown. You know, and what I mean by that is when you're so high after the game they had on Sunday and the win versus Washington State, which was pretty dramatic, and beating Pepperdine, having a really nice week. Uh, I've seen it happen before. Teams do really well in a preseason tournament, especially right before conference play, and then you might struggle a little bit. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I like the fact that they're starting at home with UC Davis and Cal Poly, kind of middle of the pack team. Well, Cal Poly's a little lower than that. But this team is starting to really show their improvement. Uh, They show their depth, their balance. Again, you look at Noel Coleman and Kamaka Hepa, both did not – they scored, I think, zero points or two points combined at halftime on Christmas. Uh, Bernardo didn't score much in the first half, but you have so many guys that can turn it on. More sec, who doesn't play a lot of minutes and went through a whole bunch of games not even playing at all, has really started to you know, show how important he is. Uh, at his size and being a little raw, he played 12 and a half minutes on Sunday. I think he played five and a half or six on Friday, the semifinal. And, you know, he's he's playing pretty significantly and really adding a lot with just his size. I mean, there was one shot I think he blocked or got a rebound on without even jumping. And the SMU player couldn't believe it, how it couldn't be a foul. Well, he just stood there. So you got him and Bernardo da Silva with a 12-point second half. That's the Bernardo da Silva you wanted to see all year long. And he has struggled a little bit offensively. You add that offense to this game to this team. So if a guy like Noel Coleman is being defended as tightly as he has been in a lot of these games, other guys have stepped up. And it might be Kamaka Hep, it might be Samuta. Now you got basically every starter can be the leading scorer on any given night. And that makes it really tough to defend if you're the opponent. They're going to key on Noel Coleman right now. We saw that late last year. We're seeing it this year. But other guys have really shown what they can do. And again, one thing I like about the three-game winning streak, actually it's a four-game winning streak, they beat St. Francis in the game before that, is that now their schedule is a little bit tougher than it was in November. The fact that they're being teams like this, and none of these teams are ranked, I know that, but they are better than the Mississippi Valley State, the Eastern Washington, 
the Southern Illinois or Southern Utah that they played. And, you know, Texas State was a pretty good team back in uh, on the North Shore a few weeks ago as well. But you're playing a Pac-12 team that's, you know, maybe middle of the pack, and Hawaii held its own with them and ran away from them at the end, so to speak. So I really like the way this team is starting to come together and play their best. Not really many injuries. Amaro Lotto's still out. Well, not sure about his status for conference play. But then you had other guys step up. Cody Williams, who hasn't played, I think, since the first weekend, one of the new players on the team, he played 12 minutes. Because Noel Coleman had early foul trouble. You have Amaro Lotto out, so you go to another option, Cody Williams. I thought he played pretty well. He didn't score, but he didn't turn the – he had one turnover. I thought he did a really steady job while he was in the game. And I think that's important when you have other guys you need to turn to to kind of help this team. And hopefully that will continue because this team has shown that they've got depth and they have balance as well as the talent they have. So it's really important that they get ready for these two conference games coming up in 48 hours from now, uh, game one already. So I'm looking forward to that on Thursday and Saturday. Yeah, all right. So back to uh, conference play. Let's look at UC Davis. Uh, you know, do they have any key victories? Do they have any uh, bad losses this year? I see that they uh, lost to Eastern Washington, who Hawaii beat, right? Yeah, yeah, Hawaii beat them in the, the, the rainbow, yeah, first week of the season. Yeah, it's, um, you know, they have wins over Sacramento State. Um, they have, what is their record anyway? Um, they are, I'll get it here in just a second, they are 7-5 and five overall, UC Davis. All right, so yeah, they've got, um, uh, they beat Cal. Uh, that uh, that's kind of good. They they yes. kicked off the season with a win over Cal. They beat Cal Maritime, whatever that is. <laughs> uh, they lost to uh, uh, LMU. They beat Arkansas State. Lost. Uh, excuse me. They beat Sacramento State, as I mentioned. Lose to Milwaukee. Uh, they beat something called SEMO. S E M O. I don't know what that <laughs> that's an um, acronym for. Southeast Missouri. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> they beat Boston. Uh, they lose to Pacific. They uh, beat Holy Names. They lose to Eastern Washington. They get crushed by UCLA. So basically, I don't know what we're getting in this. They have a team that beat Cal. Uh, you know, they lose to the number 11 team in the country, sure. But it's a team that beat Cal and then also lost, you know, could barely beat whatever SEMO is. And um, they lose to Pacific. Who are we playing? Well, one thing we know about this team is they score pretty effectively. They average 78 points a game. That's a lot. That's 10 more than Hawaii averages. And Hawaii, again, we talked about their defense, so that's going to be a key there. Can you hold them down? Uh, they're a good shooting team. 46% is excellent. So, And that's one thing they've had. They've had really good guard play in recent years, and I think this team looks like the same kind of team where good three-point shooting team shooting 40, uh, 30, 40%, excuse me, on threes, 40% on three-pointers. Again, so offensively, they got a lot to offer. And Hawaii, one of the best teams defending the threes and overall field goal percentage. Let's see what gives, and hopefully it'll be Hawaii close to their numbers and UC Davis not close to what they've averaged before. All right, a uh, time to check our bulletin board from Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. If you're noticing some changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about visiting a doctor together. An early diagnosis can give you and your family more time to plan together. It also allows you to participate in care decisions, discuss finances, and legal documents too. Visit alz.org slash Hawaii to find out more. This message brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. 
Well, good morning to you. It's Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu on this kind of a Tuesday feeling Monday. I got that backwards. Monday feeling Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Welcome back to a four-day work week. All right, top headlines today, and this just in as we came on the air this morning. J.J. Watt, the Hall of future Hall of Fame defensive lineman, has announced his retirement. He says uh, this weekend will be his last home game. And he did it in a tweet with his son, Koa. Um, and uh, he said, this is Koa's first game and my last home game, blah, blah, blah. But uh, what a great talent T.J. Watt was, huh, Gary? Oh, he's disconnected. And he has no idea that he's not on the air. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> All right, uh, yep, T.J. Watt has announced his retirement. Can you text him, Tanner? He's not trying to. <laughs> All right. Oh, comedy, pure comedy. All right, uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa in, uh, in bad news. Tua Tonga-Vailoa is in concussion protocol again. Apparently, he was uh, hit with a, uh, his head hit the ground in kind of like a whiplash fashion. I believe it was sometime during the second quarter. And um, he didn't feel um, the concussion symptoms during the game. Now, the NFLPA is going to do a full investigation in this because of the way that Miami handled it the first time around. But it is well. Also, it is um, it is protocol. Um, no pun intended. But the uh, anyway, his um, concussion symptoms did come on after the game, not during the game. So we'll see what happens um, with that. But that's a uh, that's really um, kind of bad news here. I was going to say something interesting. And. Um, I was going to say something interesting with the whole uh, whether or not Tua got that concussion during the game. So his pre, if this is from the play that we're thinking of, of where I believe Preston Smith or some uh, edge rusher from Green Bay slams him to the ground, at that point of the game, Tua was 9 for 12 for 229 yards for a touchdown. And then after that hit, he was 7 for 13 for 81 yards and three interceptions. Wow. The, uh, yeah, those interceptions at the end. And it's funny because somebody, not funny, haha, somebody tweeted that still, even with the, so Tua has, uh, I don't know, like 3,500 yards passing, 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That ratio, that interception ratio kind of creeped up, uh, crept up during that fourth quarter. It was just a horrible fourth quarter. And you have to think that his, even though he wasn't feeling the concussions, uh, having the symptoms at that time, that I would think that maybe it contributed to it a little bit, Tanner? Yeah, that's what I would think so. I think when you have the – it's 
it's just a rough, rough story that's happening right now because yeah. if you yourself are the player, you have to be responsible for your own self, but yet at the same time, when you're concussed, sometimes you just don't know that you're concussed. Like, there was a play a couple of weeks ago, I believe this was the Cardinals-Patriots game on primetime, where Devontae Parker was obviously concussed after hitting the ground, and he tries to go up and line up for the next play. And no one stopped the play. Like, no spotters told the refs to stop it. None of the refs stopped it. It took Nelson Aguilar basically taking a knee on the play and trying to stop the play all by himself just for that for for that play to just stop. Wow. So uh, Gary remembers that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, Gary. Thank you. But it's, it's incredible that the NFL no, gone through all finish this. Your, finish your thought, Tanner. Oh, yeah. I was saying that the spotters, as much as it's, you know, maybe it should be a little bit on Tua for trying to play through the concussion. A lot of NFL players, by the way, have said that they try to play through concussions anyways. It should also be on the spotters to be, hey, this dude has had two concussions, allegedly, this year already. You should be, like, on a flag system where you see a guy get whipped to the ground, and you're like, hey, we should check that guy out. Because (laughs) when you watch the play, you can see the whiplash that Tua gets when he hits the ground. And sure, he may not come up stumbling, but when you've already had a concussion, or maybe two, we don't know, it's way easier to get another concussion after it. So it's it's yeah. it's a very touchy subject. And, of course, I'm not out here trying to call for Tua's retirement like some people are. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying this. As much as the discussion should be how Tua and the Dolphins should manage his injury for not only this season but for the rest of his career, it should also be a discussion on how these spotters week to week have failed at doing their one and only job. Yeah, that's all they have to do, and it's pretty simple. I mean, most of the time, I would think you're just watching the ball. I mean, there might be a situation where, oh, I don't know, you get some guy on the receiving end of a pancake block goes down or something like that, and and you can see how they might miss something like that. But all you're doing is Devontae Parker. You're watching him get tackled, and you're going, whoa. Oh, well, wait a second. Did he just hit his head on the ground really, really hard? Did it look like he, he just got into a car accident going 60 miles an hour? I mean, that's a pretty easy job. It's a job I'd like to have. I like the current job, too, where they just sit around and just watch the game for fun. That must be a really <laughs> easy job for them. Yeah, all right. The other one uh, pays get- more for being a spotter. I, I think it's really sad that they're doing this or not doing this, too. I mean, with Tua's history this season and nobody takes him out of the game on Sunday, I mean, the replay showed it. They should be watching him, maybe even more so than any other player because of what he's gone through. And it seems like with all the NFL talk about how they care about player safety, we got these spotters to make sure they're taken out of a game for their own good, and yet you're not taking guys out of the game for their own good. You're missing all this. It says a lot about the NFL right there. Mm. All right, uh, we move on. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, uh, the latest coach to be fired in the NFL after go- 15 games in. He gone. 
They've just looked so bad. They got blown out this past weekend again. No offense this year, and even with Russell Wilson, no offense, and he's been out lately. I don't know why he would even play again. Uh, that was a, a move they thought they were doing the right thing, getting Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett, had a good defense, and nothing to show for it. And uh, it's sad, and they, they did that a few years ago. It was it Van Joseph, I think, they let go after one year as well. They had him for one year. you got to give a coach a little bit more Vic time. Fangio? Was it? I don't. Was it him? I think it was Van Joseph. I, I don't thought. know, Gary. <laughs> you said that Russell Wilson was out. Yeah, he, he got was, hurt he a couple play? weeks ago. Oh, he got hurt a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not even. Uh, I, you know what? I, I I I thought I watched that game. Maybe it was one of those ones where I was in my sleep or something like that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I dreamed about the game, maybe. But the uh, or you know you know what I did watch that game. The Rams had the ball the entire game. Yeah, and the Rams don't have a lot going on either with all their injuries. Baker Mayfield, I think it, I'm not sure if he finished 18 for 20, but at one point he was at 18 for 20 in that game. I mean, it's having its way, and I know a lot of again. I think hey, that was a great game out. for that was great for Baker Mayfield. I mean, you want to make a statement. I mean, here are the Rams, and they're you know they're doing with the, Cam Akers. What a great game he had, but the. Um, I mean that was a that was for his career, that was great. I, I was I was happy to see Baker Mayfield go twenty four of twenty eight, two hundred thirty yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, he's been pretty good for them in, in his game. I mean, he had that one off game against the uh, Green Bay Packers on the road, but still get over there and play two, uh, two days later and get that win over the Raiders. All in all, he's been pretty successful for them since he got there at LA three weeks ago. Uh, okay, thank you. I'm not crazy. I thought you said that Russell Wilson didn't play in that game. He's been out. He, he did play in that game? <laughs> yeah, 15 of 27 for 214 yards, okay. a touchdowns and three interceptions. Man, you scared me. I thought I was losing my mind i was like i could have sworn i saw russell wilson i was watching the game uh, that my mistake i thought he was still out. maybe i dreamt that he was out of the game but uh they they're still they're they've been a disaster offensively they would a few weeks ago if they would have scored i think 18 points a game they would have been like eight and four instead of what their record was at the 12 weeks they just don't have any offense at all this year yeah great defense though man it's just in the games like that in games like that, you can't really gauge, you know, their defense because your offense is never on the field for more than three plays, right? Yeah, but that's partly on Russell Wilson, too. I mean, he's made bad decisions, and, I mean, he's supposed to be a savior for them. And, you know, not all on him, but still, when, when they were healthy at the beginning of the season, they didn't really do a lot offensively. So, I mean, I don't think you can pin it all on the coach. There's some issues there, obviously, early on. And, I, again, I feel bad when any coach doesn't get a full year. That's that's just so wrong. You're bl- you're blaming yeah. everything on them. When you get rid of Russell Wilson, which they can't, but they're stuck with him for another year. Well, they they're stuck back. with they're they're stuck with him for a number of years. They could um, they have. I mean, how long is the deal for? Is it five years? Whatever, forty basically forty five million dollars a year. Now they're going to take a cap hit. They can't get rid of him now because it'll be like $100 million against the cap or something crazy like that. They can get rid of him next year and still have significant uh, cap damage, but they got to keep him at least for one more year. I'd like to see him I'd like to see him go out and play. Obviously, I think with Russell Wilson, he's, he's just pressing too hard. He's just he, he, he's, got, he's trying to do too much. He's instead of, you know, there's an open guy, you know, over the middle. Instead, he's trying to stretch the field, throw the ball down the field into coverage. 
too many times. He's just pressing too hard. He just needs to kind of get a whole reset. And I think Russell Wilson will be fine. I don't know about that. I mean, the last few years in Seattle, I mean, look how okay they were. He leaves, and look how much better they are with Geno Smith as a quarterback. I think that says yeah, a little maybe. something about Russell Wilson as well. Yeah, could be. Uh, could be. <laughs> you uh, could be right. But um, I, I tend to think that the guy hasn't forgotten how to play. Now, if the Denver Broncos were thinking, okay, you know what? Peyton Manning did it once. Uh, we can kind of do that again. We got a great defense, and we don't need the best quarterback. We need a great quarterback to be half as good as they are. That was the recipe for success for a Super Bowl win not too long ago. You saw that as a recipe for success just last year with the Los Angeles Rams. Let's go and get a veteran quarterback in here. Although, the instead of ending up like the Los Angeles Rams this year, the Denver Broncos are going to more end up like uh, the Indianapolis Colts. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. And congratulations to the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Despite having something like minus 66 yards rushing, the uh, Blue Raiders win the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl over the weekend uh, over um, San Diego State. I believe they had to come from behind. And this is what the, the stat that bothers me is that do I still have it printed out here? It's um, the stat that bothers me is that uh, final score, by the way, uh, it's in front of me here somewhere. <laughs> final score, by the way, 25 to 23. San Diego State led 14 to 13 at the half. And then there wasn't much offense for the rest of the game. But the headline at different media outlets was Middle Tennessee wins despite minus 66 yards rushing. Well, you would think to yourself, self, did they keep losing yardage when they're handing off the ball? No. They gave up like seven sacks to San Diego State. Great, you know, great uh, defensive output there. But it's so Oh, they rushed for, man, Chase Cunningham. So the quarterback is credited with nine carries and minus 91 yards. See, I don't get that. He wasn't rushing the ball. He was sacked going back to pass the ball. And that's why I think that these stats should be separate. Darius Bracey had two carries for seven yards, and Frank Peasant ran like one. 17 carries for 33 yards. So, yeah, the rushing game wasn't really working, and they only ran the ball 19 times because, well, they couldn't, but they weren't minus 66 yards rushing. 
In the NFL, they take the sack yards lost off the passing numbers. I, I wonder why it's different. I agree it should be separate because it's not a, it's not a true number when you see that. And the fact that it's different in both sports or both leagues is weird, too. I mean, I know they're different sports in a way, but also in a way, they're the exact same thing. And it, it's misleading when you look at those numbers because you have to account for the sack yards. But they were down four. I didn't know that it. I didn't know they did that in the NFL. Yeah, it, I realize it doesn't make yeah. sense either. But it right. doesn't make that doesn't make sense either, it, because he didn't lose. He didn't throw it backwards. <laughs> Why don't they just have it on its own? This is the sack yardage minus sack yardage, and I can see you taking it off the overall yardage for the game when you're talking about passing or rushing. But I don't think it's a passing or rushing stat. I wish it was separate, too. I guess they have to account for the yards somehow, so that's why they take it off one or the other. But why not account for it with a separate category? I, I agree. It's misleading when you look at the numbers. When Really, when you look at the numbers, you have to look at everybody individually and see what they really did as opposed to a team getting 100 yards rushing or less in college because those numbers are not t- totally accurate. And the same thing in the NFL also. And that's a lot of yards lost in the sack. Sometimes it doesn't make a major difference. But on Saturday, it looked like it sure did for Middle Tennessee. And they trailed in that game. I believe it was 14 nothing early on as well. So they really came back from behind. They get close within halftime, as you said, only down one. I did hear that they were happy with the crowd. Uh, I didn't hear an exact attendance, but I heard it was about 4,000, 4,500, somewhere in there, which I know to some people won't sound like a lot, considering it wasn't the University of Hawaii playing. I guess that's not bad. You know, especially that time of the day. It is Christmas Eve, no UH playing. And it was hot, as usual, at that time of the afternoon, starting at 3 o'clock. Uh, but I understand that both people were happy with the crowd turnout. All right, very good. Anyway, once again, uh, final score, 25-23. to 23. It ended up being a, a good game. By the way, in the NFL, they don't take it away from your individual passing stats. Just want to make that clear. They, take it away, they don't take it away from individual passing stats. They take it away, I guess, overall passing stats or something but individually they don't take it away from the quarterback okay denver broncos have fired nathaniel hackett so now we've got coaches openings at indianapolis denver and i forgot the third carolina the carolina panthers and i think the carolina panthers i think they found their coach i think they're doing okay uh they've they've, they i don't know what the exact win-loss record is after matt rule left but um, you know they're doing. You know Sam Darnold looked pretty good this weekend. He's also had some pretty bad games the first couple he played at, but better than maybe what they've had previously. And they've gotten a few mm-hmm. wins which they weren't getting before that. The fact that they're still in the playoff hunt. I mean, they're a game out of first place. They're not going to make it as a wild card. Nobody will out of the NFC South. But they're only a game in back of Tampa Bay. And we, we thought Atlanta had a chance maybe to make it a few weeks ago because they were right back at Tampa Bay. No way. I not don't think, now. yeah, not now. It's that not was them. more than a few weeks ago. Although Desmond Ritter looked pretty good. Still I mean, 22 of 33, I think. I'm sorry? I said still another loss for them, though. What I'm getting at is Desmond Ritter looked pretty good. 22 of 33, 218 yards. If Marcus Mariota had those types of numbers, maybe they he could have pushed him across with his feet because Marcus is such a good runner. But, you know, I, is Desmond Ritter the quarterback of the future? I don't know that question. I definitely know, unfortunately, Marcus Mariota is not. No, 
not there that anyway. Maybe he'll resurface somewhere. But they've been losing, so they're out of the playoff hunt. And I, mean, I still, you know, as a fan, I'd rather see Tom Brady in the playoffs just because he's Tom Brady. I'd like to see it one more time at least. But it's also great to see the underdogs come through. When, they fire your co- when you fire your coach in midseason, normally you don't make the playoffs after that, especially in Carolina. Yeah. But that division is so weak this year. I mean, Tampa Bay on offense is just really, really struggling. Their defense isn't much better. Yeah, I mean, they're the with Tampa Bay, I mean, they just never seem to really, and, and Tanner, you're a fan, jump in here. Uh, Tampa Bay, it seems like they've never got it going with all of those uh, injuries as the season was starting. Is, is that a fair assessment, Hayworth? I think it's a very fair assessment. Uh, losing basically all of your premier starting offensive linemen before the season as well as within the season, I mean, there was a point where we thought Tristan Wirfs was gone for the rest of the season. Luckily, it wasn't that uh, severe of an injury. But Tom Brady is also not playing like how he should be playing. If he leaves in the off season, I don't care. I'm I'm done with Tom Brady. <laughs> like I was, I wasn't a big, I was an anti-Tom Brady guy before because I was a part, a I was a part fan of the New York Jets for a little bit there. Uh, but um. Uh-huh. Uh, if he leaves, I don't care. Heck, in the playoffs, they should just start Blaine Gabbert, the better Michigan Wolverine. He was a, he was the higher draft pick after all. Just you, saying. See, you just saying. You sound you sound like me when I'm talking about firing Mike Tomlin. We're just <laughs> disgusted with the whole thing. Who, hey, Get if, rid of Tom if Nick Brady. Foles can win the Super Bowl, so can Blaine Gabbert. Here comes the career (laughs) redemption for Blaine Gabbert. He can run away from the pocket. He's no longer scared about the pocket closing in on him like he was in Jacksonville. Unload (laughs) the cannon for Blaine Gabbert already, Todd Bowles. Careful what you wish for. (laughs) Charlie Wade's going to join us in a few minutes. Rainbow Warrior volleyball tickets are on sale. He's going to join us in a few minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. Keep listening because, you know what, we've got, okay, we've got a couple of things to give away. We've got another pair of tickets to Rainbow Warrior Basketball. They face uh, UC Davis Thursday night, day after tomorrow, at the Stan Sheriff Center. And I, I just received word from our friend John Teruya over at Pagoda Banquets and Catering. He says, Chris, as a Christmas gift to Animal Nation, please give away... A whole roast turkey dinner to go. You kidding me? 12 to 14 pound whole roast turkey is what we're giving away on this show today. It comes with stuffing and gravy and cranberry relish and mashed potatoes and candied yams and marshmallow and macadamia nuts inside. Nishime sweet bread rolls. Oh, I don't know how to say this. Trelechichis. Trey Leches. T-R-E-S. What is that? Trey Leches sweetbread pudding. Well, Trey What is I, that? I think that's a, a kind of cake. It's very sweet. It's like doused in a very sweet sauce. That's all I got for okay. you, unfortunately. Sweetbread pudding doused in a very sweet sauce. I know Love that's it. what Trey Leches is. It's very good. I'll say that. Okay. All right. Uh, this is uh, feed six to eight people or four super starving people. Okay, we're going to give that away. 
We'll give that away before we get off the air at 9 o'clock. We'll handle New Year's Eve dinner or New Year's dinner for you. No problem. Now, if you'd like to order a whole roast turkey or quarter post uh, roast prime rib, you can throw in some additional prime rib, maybe half a guava glazed ham, gravy, cranberry relish, sweet bread rolls. You can enhance these meals as well if you'd like. Or you can order, if you're it's smaller, just a New Year's to-go meals, maybe roast prime rib for one, roast prime rib for two. The uh, Go to PagodaHawaii.com if you want to order. So um, you can go ahead and just uh, go to the website and order and prepay and then go by and pick it up. they got curbside pickup. Uh, coming up Saturday and Sunday, depending what day you want it for, right? New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. So super easy peasy, and uh, don't worry about the, uh, the, the the hassle of cooking this New Year's Eve. Once again, PagodaHawaii.com, and keep listening, because we will give away a whole roast turkey feast today with the sports animals and Pagoda Banquets and Catering on ESPN Honolulu. Charlie Wade joins us next. Last night I dreamt I was returning. The University of Hawaii men's volleyball team, two-time defending national champions, are getting back into action in just a few weeks. And today, season tickets go on sale. To talk more about the season and the ticket sales, joining us now on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline, their head coach, Charlie Wade. Charlie, thanks for joining us. And season tickets go on sale today. You can get them at eTicketHawaii.com or at Simplify Arena starting at 9 a.m. today. They're open 9 to 5 daily. Talk a little bit about the schedule. I love the opening match, uh, kind of a rematch of the Final Four with Ball State. Yeah, you know, I've been in contact with the coach, and he's been wanting to come back for a while. He, you know, he he's actually uh, from Maui, and he, he brought his Grandview team when he was the coach there. So um, we were talking early last year, and it was kind of a reciprocal trip off our, our trip to their place last January, and uh, good to have them come out. And then just how it played out with us, playing them at their place twice and then playing in a national semifinal. So um, should be a fun weekend to start the season. Yeah, that'll be on Thursday and Friday, January 12th and 13th. Ball State will be the opponent. Talk about some of the other teams coming in before you start conference play, which really is almost two months after the regular season starts. Yeah, and that, um, <clears throat> that Ball State match on the Friday night, the second night, um, be the banner ceremony. I know there's going to be a nice giveaway, and everybody's, um, you know, I think will enjoy uh, that evening. So a little, little more incentive to come out for that one. Sure. Um, yeah, it's a, you know 19 home dates on the, the calendar this year, so that's uh, that's the most ever. Um, you know, and now with the with the league split, I've been saying this for the last few years, and it becomes more true every year. There just are more and more non-conference teams to play. We continue to add entire new leagues, um, so you know a pretty wide variety of um, of conference opponents out there for everybody to play against. And and this year sees us, um, you know, playing some more of the more familiar teams, more of the West Coast teams coming out, um, but also uh, you know teams from all over the country and from all different conferences. I know the last two years, everybody around the country and around the world had to deal with COVID concerns. I know it's still there, of course, but has it been a little easier this year maybe to get teams to come in without so many of the restrictions we've had the last two seasons? 
Yeah, totally. I mean, I know Penn State, that was a case for sure. Like, they were supposed to be coming, and then literally um, just, you know, the, the coach is a good friend of mine, just said, look, you know, we can't come. They're not letting us travel, and um, everybody had to kind of deal with that. But it looks like all of those restrictions are kind of gone, and everybody's, you know, kind of got back to normal. And like I said, 19 home dates and some really nice opponents, uh, Penn State and UCLA both coming in for the outrigger. Uh, Pepperdine coming in for twice, two matches. Um, and then our league opponents, you know, it kind of goes back and forth this year, both Long Beach and Irvine, which will be, you know, two of the top teams in the country will be coming out for a pair of matches each. So uh, a lot of um, a lot of high-quality matches on our schedule this year. Charlie Wade, University of Hawaii men's volleyball coach, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. Tickets are on sale this morning. Again, season tickets at eTicketHawaii.com and at Simplify Arena at the Stan Sheriff Center box office. If you're waiting for a single match, those will go on sale January 5th. So you got to wait a little over a week for that, but season tickets are available right now. When I look at your roster, uh, I, mean, I know you lose some starters every year, but it looks like you don't have a lot of decisions as far as the starting lineup with so many returnees who played significantly last year. Yeah, everybody that, that contributed statistically in any kind of significant way is back, both uh, you know the starters and then even you know guys farther down the depth chart. So a lot of familiar faces, and um, you know it's a uh, it's a pretty veteran group, and it's been a lot of fun to be in the gym with and. Everybody's looking forward to getting back out and competing. When you mentioned familiar faces, one of them is also now an assistant coach. Capona Fay is now on your staff, isn't he? Yeah, Capona is great to to get him back. You know, he's uh, just such a great guy and uh, you know, great role model for our players. And uh, thrilled to have him back in the program. And you know, he's uh, he's working hard and helps us get better every day. You know, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago about you know a possible three-peat. Of course, with so many returning players, you're going to be one of the favorites, if not the favorite in any poll or rating or ranking. Does that make it a little bit more pressure, if at all? And is it a concern to make sure your team isn't overconfident after winning back-to-back? Yeah, I mean, it, one, the, the pressure part, I've always said, like nobody's putting more pressure on us than we put on ourselves. So that hasn't changed um, but there is a, there's certainly a concern and something we talked about throughout the fall. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of natural to slide into thinking what we've been doing has been enough because literally it has been. So, but it doesn't mean that we're not doing everything we can on a daily basis to get better. And that was been the mindset all along. And that continues to be like, keep finding ways to improve yourself, you know, physically and, you know, technically. So, um, I think the guys have really bought into that. Continue. I think everybody's a little bit better than they were last year, and our only assumption is that the other teams are thinking the same thing, that everybody else is going to be better, so we have to continue to be better as well. Charlie Wade, volleyball coach for the University of Hawaii men's team, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Do you see any of the returning players maybe taking over more of a leadership role this season than in the past? Yeah, I mean, I think our veteran guys, you know, the, you know, Jakob and um, Jeremy, guys that have been out there on the floor for a long time have, you know, just kind of assumed that role. And, and um, but I think we got a lot of, like you said, a lot of veteran guys that, that are, are good team guys, always putting the team first. So um, that's been, um, 
that's been, a, I, I certainly think, a, an asset for this team. You know, that the gift of COVID, nobody's leaving. They all got another year. Yeah. We have a lot of the guys that are playing this year are back again next year as well. So um, <laughs> it's a really nice luxury to have guys around. You know, they're adult men. They're, you know, five, six years out of high school, and, uh, um, you know, they make a lot of good decisions. Yeah, Philip Humler, I'm looking at him. I've, I can't believe he was still on the roster, and he's only been on the roster, I think, technically, I think, four years. But he got here over four years ago, and he's back, and it seemed like he's been here for a long time. But as you mentioned, a lot of guys got that extra year for COVID. One thing we will keep reminding everybody, Charlie, besides season tickets going on sale, of course, starting today, is the second match of the season, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th of January, the banner ceremony for the national champion. Doesn't happen to a lot of schools for a lot of sports, so this is a, a rare occurrence. I don't think the fans are going to want to miss. It's going to be uh, something you want to be a part of, so we'll keep reminding fans of that. Charlie, thanks for coming on the show as usual today. Happy New Year to you and your family, and the volleyball's right around the corner. That's a great thing. All right, Gary, I appreciate having me on. Have a good day. Uh, all right, you too. Thank you so much. Charlie Wade joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. All right, very excited for the uh, national champs to be at it again. So uh, tickets at all the usual places, and, uh, man, we got some good uh, crowds last year, and we had good crowds for Wahine Volleyball as well this year. Hopefully that will continue in 2023. I think when you're the two-time defending champs, you're going to get good crowds, and as Charlie mentioned, the second match of the season, Friday the 13th of January, they'll unveil the banner. Uh, once again, they've done it a couple of times. Now. Well, once before. They get to do it again. I think that would draw a big crowd in itself. Now, again, season tickets, as we said, go on sale today. Individual game tickets will go on sale on January 5th next week. Mm -hmm. But teams, I mean, almost all the starters back. I mean, it's great to have that. As Charlie said, a lot of these guys will be back even next year with the COVID year that they got free. So, you know, they didn't. They lost players, of course, but they got so much talent coming back that they are, again, one of the favorites, if not the overall favorite, to win it all again. Yeah, they are favorites, as we mentioned last week, to win the Big West. And that's, you know, kind of, well, you don't want to say no-brainer because, you know, you got Irvine, you got uh, Long Beach State. I don't know the state of their uh, volleyball team's state right now exactly, but those are a couple of really good programs. Yeah, and Charlie mentioned how UC Irvine will be this year. Uh, Long Beach State loses their player of the year, the national player of the year, the freshman, uh, uh, Alex uh, Nikoloff, uh, 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 I believe. Uh, uh, and I'm glad. Uh, you know, I'd love to have that guy on my team because I would rally behind that guy 100%. But he's such a Weisenheimer. <laughs> you got to hate that. I mean, yeah. sports hate the guy. Yeah. I just look at his face and I go, I don't like you. I like the Weisenheimer uh, reference. But, I, yeah, he was uh, – some, some reason, Long Beach State, I have that perception of almost all their players. And after last year, their fans <laughs> as well. And their fans. Yeah. And they their were, fans. They were really rude here at the Stan Sheriff Center last year for the Big West Tournament. Yeah. I mean, the things they said about Hawaii and the Hawaii fans, I mean, I overheard a lot of it. Boy, I mean, I, I, I just like them like a lot of other people apparently over the years as well. Yeah, almost as much as I, I can't stand uh, the Irvine coach, Russell Turner. Almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Not yeah. quite, but almost. All, All right, right, let's give away tickets to Rainbow Warrior Basketball. If you're caller number five right now at 808-296-1420, you're going to the game Thursday night on us, ESPN Honolulu.
Good job on you, Kathleen from Kailua. She just won a couple of tickets to Rainbow Warrior Basketball. That's everybody's talking Rainbow Basketball this uh, past uh, few days. What a win it was, winning the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. I think that fans should have stormed the court. I mean, we had a couple <laughs> of guys. Uh, and, and I, I saw Ben Benjamin. He was kind of in the middle of it. And, um, you know, Ben Benjamin was... <laughs> But they kind of, it wasn't his fault because they kind of ran into him. Yeah. <laughs> they ran to his seats and then tackled him. But it was great to see our friend Mike running down the court and other guys. Uh, it was fun. I thought the whole crowd should have just, I think we're too lazy. I, I don't think Hawaii is a rush the court kind of team. Well, maybe so. But they also have those barriers, even though, I mean, you could jump over them. The black curtains separate the regular. I guess you call it the regular stand from the bench area, media table, and courtside seat. So you'd have to climb over them or open them up. And there you are could just walk through those things. They're made of aluminum. It's like a, it's like aluminum cans is what it's made out of. You could just walk right through that thing. Come on, you could let the fans could. storm the court. I know I, that Rich Sheriff is probably listening, saying, "What are you saying?" Yes, I just want to see it once. Have we ever stormed the court? Yes. For Rainbow Warrior basketball? Well, when they won the Big West Tournament, both men and Wahimi on the same day in 2016, fans stormed the court in Anaheim, but it has happened here. In the Rainbow Classic, as it was known then, I believe it was both when Bobby Nash and Julian Sensley had buzzer beaters. One was against Oral Roberts, and I believe the other one was against Butler. And I remember fans, that wasn't a lot, there were a few fans storming the court, and I guess uh, I don't know what happened to them afterwards if they got in any kind of trouble. But it has happened, but not in high numbers. Not in high numbers, no. No, I'm saying the whole the fan is just it's it's you know there's a couple there's a thousand people on the floor that hasn't happened is what I'm saying. No, that hasn't happened. Not even yeah, close that's to what that. I'm no. saying. I mean, a couple of guys running on the court, sure. I mean, but yeah. <laughs> It'd I mean, be nice come to on. see. I like. I don't want anybody get hurt, getting hurt, of course, but they are fun to watch. I actually do enjoy them too. But you, it can be dangerous at times as well. How? Well, there was a player in high school in Arizona a number of years ago, one of the best players in the country, and he went up for a game-winning layup, and he got tackled by the fans. He got paralyzed for life, obviously, and they never played tackled basketball Tackled by the again. fan? Wait, yeah. what happened? They were rushing the court, and they ran into him, jumping on him, and he got tackled, basically, wow. and was paralyzed. Wow, that's, yeah, I guess. The career was Gosh. over, of course. I see, in Hawaii, we're a lot mellower, though. See, when yeah. Hawaii rushes the court, we're like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, pardon me, coming through. Yeah. You know, that's that's how we do it in Hawaii. We're not that crazy. Or these, no, that's true. I, you know, I don't think, I don't see us climbing onto the backboard and doing all that kind of stuff. You know, the, the fan got impaled by a goalpost. I mean, we're a little smarter than that here. Yeah, that's Hawaii. true. That's true. All right. Got a text. Uh, folks, text in or call if you'd like it, 808-296-1420. Remember, keep listening because we've got more basketball tickets to give away, and we're going to give away a whole roast turkey feast to go from Pagoda Banquets and Catering. Keep listening for that. You're going to be stoked. You know what? We'll give them away together. We'll give away the basketball tickets, and you got a feast for six to eight people. PagodaHawaii.com, the place to go to order yours, by the way. Thank you for the text, says Jay Pacheco. 
doesn't like fans rushing or storming the fields or courts. Well, I guess that's that's Mr. Fuddy Fuddy Duddy Pacheco. Party pooper. Uh, this we got early. J.J. Uh, Watts retiring after the season. Too bad he didn't get a Super Bowl ring. Thank you, Eddie, for the text. It is, you know, it's hard to win a Super Bowl. It's just, you know, you played for the Texans all those years. You know, I, I feel sorry for guys like Archie Manning or, or you know, J.J. Uh, Watt or basically most players that play for the Jets. I mean, they never, <laughs> get, you know, coming. they don't get a Super Bowl. <laughs> That's true. They can't all be Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s. You know, I was talking about Max. I was talking about Maxwell Lewis, the um, – I can't remember who he played for now. He played for Pepperdine. Yeah. I was saying that he was a really good basketball player. Craig texts in that Maxwell Lewis was the leading scorer of all the players in the tournament. Wow. He was good, man. He was pretty good. I didn't know he was the leading scorer. That's interesting, though. The uh, Trez, Trez Liches sweet bed pudding that you get as part of this uh, New Year's feast – it's an Italian. It's Italian for caramel sauce. I was wondering what Trez Liches was. That sounds right. I guess. Thank you for that text at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Let's see. Storm the court. The texter says. More like crawl the court. We have the most senior fans in the nation, Hank. Oh, stop it, Hank. <laughs> I think the, the seniors could storm the court. Dickman would do it. He's out there. He's a senior. <laughs> uh, Doug texts in that our fan base is too old to storm the court. Oh, come on, you guys. We could storm it slowly. I mean, <laughs> it's like that movie with, uh, uh, what was that movie? There were like the three senior citizens, and somebody stole their pension, so they had to go out and rob banks. It was a comedy. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, we'd be like those guys. You know, we just. Take your time. See, because if our, we storm the court, Jovan McClanahan might injure us, right? I mean, those guys, the players would kind of, you know, step on us. True. So I, you know, I, I, I feel bad. But I think, I think we're, I think we're, we, we can storm the court. And if there was a moment that deserved it, it was Christmas late afternoon, early in the, I guess it was close to 6 o'clock when that happened. That was the opportunity to do it. So I'm glad a few people got to taste that. But, yeah, I mean, you don't want, again, you don't want anybody to get hurt, but they are fun to watch in the same sense as well. Uh, let's see. Oh, somebody said T.J. Watt. Did I say T.J. Watt? <laughs> I'm not sure. I thought I said J.J. Watt. Uh, I probably did say T.J. Watt, knowing myself. But thank you uh, for texting that in. Yes, you know what I meant. T.J. Watt is not retiring. He is too dominant. Um, Aloha, guys. What do you think about horse racing? All right, next text. That'll answer your question. <laughs> Not much, you know apparently. What? I love, I love horse racing. I love, you know, horses. Those ho- race horses, and you have to you understand. I grew up with uh, a mom raising greyhounds, and those are just beautiful animals. Where the the majesty of a greyhound walking with his hindquarters, you know, shuffling from side to side, a pure muscle. You look at those horses run, especially in slow motion. There is not a more beautiful sight in sports, in my opinion, than that photograph right there. Love horse racing. Anyway, I tease when I say we don't care. I don't know anything about horse racing, um, but I know those are just majestic, beautiful, beautiful animals. 
Uh, here's a text at 808-296-1420. I remember UH fans storming the field after UH beat Boise in 07. You can tell they were unfamiliar with the process because they didn't know how to get back into the stadium or back into the stands. We stormed the field against Boise? Yeah, I thought we of stormed it against Washington. Both, both. I mean, oh, Boise okay. clinched a whack title the day after Thanksgiving, and then uh, Washington clinched the BCS Bowl, which was the Sugar Bowl, the next week. <laughs> and we didn't know how to get back in the stands. What do we do now? Uh, here's one. Hawaii fans can't storm the court. The hand, the handy van service is unreliable. Oh, Boy. no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Wow. <laughs> what is going on with the handy van anyway? I saw the headline. I didn't read the article, but, boy, apparently uh, the handy, what is the headline? Handy van, not so handy. All right, <laughs> enough of that. Top headlines coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you had a uh, hope you had a merry merry Christmas, happy New Year from all of us here at ESPN Honolulu. So yeah, we're gonna do it this hour, man. We're gonna give away Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets and a twelve to fourteen pound whole roast turkey dinner feast this hour from Pagoda Banquets and Catering. We got the uh, turkey, we got stuffing and gravy and cranberry relish and mashed potatoes and candied yams with marshmallow and macadamia nuts, nishime sweetbread rolls, tres leches sweetbread pudding, hot and ready to serve for a party of six to eight people. You can order your own. Get your own Ford. Get your own turkey dinner or quarter roast prime rib dinner at pagodahawaii.com. So we'll give that away this hour with the basketball tickets, and it will be a very, very happy, happy new year for you and your fam. The uh, top headlines today, Tua Tonga-Vailoa is in concussion protocol. Horrible news for the Dolphins, but even worse news for the man, Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Yeah, you worry about his health, of course, more than anything else. And the third concussion this season, even though I guess three is not really – Technically correct, they're still listing it as a back problem, I guess, in that Buffalo game, the first of that looked like a concussion. But he's got to be concerned himself. His family, I'm sure, is. And the Miami Dolphins have got to be concerned about maybe signing him long-term, giving him that extension that it looked like he was getting. Uh, so, again, the priority, of course, is his health. But, again, it's just so quickly how this season has gone south for him and the Dolphins, a four-game losing streak. And looked like they were going to maybe win the division, but definitely get to the playoffs. Now it's not so definite they make the playoffs. Again, if they win these last two games against New England and the Jets, they're in. But without Tua Tonga by low in at least the first game, if not both, I don't think it's going to be that easy, even though Teddy Bridgewater is expected to start against the Patriots this week on the road. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what um we'll see what happens. It's um with Tua Tonga Vailoa. This was the year, though. This was the make-it-or-break-it year, they say. And he's not getting the job done through no fault of his own, 
But the point is, when you go back and look and say, okay, this was a make-it-or-break-it year for Tua Tonga-Vailoa, playoffs are bust. doesn't look like they're going to the playoffs now. So you got to put that on Tua Tonga-Vailoa because he's not healthy. Again, it's not his fault. Life's not fair, uh, especially in the NFL. So I wonder if they start thinking. I mean, they got to start thinking, do we move on? And if it's a risk, he could never get a concussion again and have a long, healthy career. Or for whatever reason, whether it's an ankle or a back or a knee or ribs or concussions or whatever, Tua Tonga-Vailoa in his short career in the NFL has not been available to play. He has, you're right, for, at times. But you look at this four-game losing streak, except for when he got hurt on Sunday, he has been healthy, and his quarterback rating went down all four games from what they were before. So even when healthy, he hasn't had a good stretch of games right now. And that, that is on him, I think. You know, I hate to say that, but I think it is on him. There was no excuses for the games that they lost before that. To the Niners was one of them. The yeah, Chargers I mean, the guy's 25, 20. I mean, there were cl- close loss to the Chargers. 25 touchdowns, five interceptions, 3,500 yards in just a few games. I mean, the guy has great numbers, yeah. And, and, and so they lost four games, whatever. But at the same time, if you can't stay healthy, that's the knock on Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Not whether he's good enough to play quarterback in the NFL. I mean, some of those passes this weekend were unbelievable. It's just he got into a mess in the fourth quarter when he started to, trying to, uh, you know, uh, fit a square peg through a round hole on some of those. But, you know, with with the weapons they have and with Tua's accuracy, one of those balls that he threw just over the defender, softly landing like a feather into the receiver's hands was a thing of poetry. So he can play. I get it. I believe he can play. I think there's a lot of people out there that do. But can he stay healthy enough to contribute to a championship team? That that has yet to be seen because if you ask me the answer and I have to answer that today, the answer is no. I would do. I would agree with that. But I again, I, as much as I love him and he had a great start to the season, even when healthy, it wasn't the question of whether he was healthy in those first three games of the losing streak. It was a question of why are his numbers going down. Again, his quarterback rating went down three games in a row before this last week, and I think they went down again from the week before. So he's had a rough couple of uh, weeks there, and had nothing to do mm-hmm. with his health or the, you know mm-hmm. the health of the team. I think they were pretty healthy at the time, just for various reasons. They struggled, and one of them was against the Niners. So enough said. The Niners have a great defense, but I, th- yeah. I think he, he struggled There's on the field. Teams in a healthy. row who struggled against the 49ers. Yeah. So it's not just the Dolphins. Look, the Dolphins uh, on Tua's streak, and we looked at this. Look who they played on his winning streak. They played garbage teams yeah yeah they ran it they lost these games because the other teams were just better than them the dolphins have been bad they've you know what the dolphins have underperformed on defense and you know that's part of the problem with this team now i think the dolphins are going or a playoff team in the future i don't think they're quite there yet but that's not the question the question is is Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and we can't answer that today. So it's a rhetorical question. No need to answer or agree or disagree. The question is, 
is Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback of the future for the Miami Dolphins. If you're going to base it on health, the question, the answer is no. Or are you going to base it on, you know, whether he can stay healthy? The question is, I don't know. So, again, we can't answer the question today, but it's pointing in the wrong direction for Tua Tagovailoa. Another guy that's uh, career is pointed in the wrong direction is Nathaniel Hackett. After 15 games, you're fired, in the famous words of former President Donald Trump. So after a 4-11 start, and as Bobby Curran would say, an embarrassing loss to the Los Angeles Rams last night, 51-14. to You look at that score and you go, how did they even score 14 points? Well, the new ownership group led by Walmart guy. And uh, who else is on that? Uh, who else is on that ownership team? I'm not sure. Condoleezza Rice? Oh, that's anyway, right. they fired uh, They fired the guy. They said, you know, sorry, not working. So they, they hired Nathaniel Hackett, and then they went out and got him Russell Wilson. My question here is like the question before. Is Russell Wilson that bad, or it was just Nathaniel Hackett not a great fit for Russell Wilson? That's my question. I don't know. I don't think he's done well. Again, even when they were healthy, they can be on offense, and every team's going to have injuries, so you can't say, well, they had a couple of key injuries because almost every team, if not every team, has key injuries throughout an NFL season. He didn't look that good with this team, and I don't think it was it was a match that that meshed well with each other. Maybe the play calling or just the playbook, but Russell Wilson did not make good decisions. There were a few games when he screwed up himself early on, uh, and they just don't have an offense this year. With a Russell Wilson who looks like he's a Hall of Fame quarterback for his career and probably will get in, he did not show it this year, and some of it has got to be on him. I don't, I don't think it was a great coaching hire at the time, as it turns out. But, I think again, I don't like when you fire a guy before he gets at least one year in football. I think it should be at least two <laughs> before you make a decision. But Russell Wilson didn't help him at all, that's for sure. Yeah, there's, there's too much invested in draft capital to kind of let this thing go on. Now, Russell Wilson has actually, you know, the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years, I mean, he's he's had good seasons. He's has the quarterback ratings. He's got the yardage. Uh, half the time throwing for over 4,000 yards. One, two, three, four, five, six of the last seven years. 4,000 yards, a little over, or just at it. Uh, you know, his last year with the Seahawks, he throws for 25 touchdowns and six interceptions. He has a quarterback rating of 103. Russell Wilson's fine. Now, this year, for whatever reason, he's at 12 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He's throwing his completion percentage is 60%. And I think we saw part of the problem during that game. Well, those of us who saw the game, I think part of the problem was the offensive line. The offensive line and really a lack of a running game. Maybe that's it? I think it's a combination of things, but I think he should get some of the blame, if not the majority of the blame. He just, I don't, he just yeah. You, the you times can't, I've seen but, him throw, it just hasn't looked the same. It doesn't look like a Pro Bowl quarterback this year, almost at all. No, he doesn't, and that's what I wonder, though. Is that from the coaching? Is that from the system they're in? 
Is that from the lack of offensive line? The defense is fine. They lose a lot of close games. They're like the Steelers. You know, they're, they're playing in all these, you know, 19 to 16 wins, those types of games. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think that I think Russell Wilson, it's all in his head. I think at this point, he's just trying too hard. I mean, he's just, you know, doing un-Russell Wilson-like things. And then you can tell it affects him. It's like, here's a video of me working out on the plane and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's been such an un-Russell Wilson-like year. Now, because of the contract that they gave him, they can't get rid of him. Right. They can get rid of him after next year and have some, you know, have some cap damage, but not, they can't get, if they get rid of him now, I don't know, the guy's going to be, you're going to have like $100 million against your cap, and I'm not even exaggerating. Now, with Russell Wilson also, um, the uh, I lost my train of thought. Well, let's go to the phones. Mike is calling in. Hi, Mike. Hey, that's the hey. police job of all time. How's it going? Merry what? Christmas, and uh, hope you get this Russell Wilson trade. Seattle to Denver is the fleece job of all time. <laughs> I mean, they, he, what was Russell Wilson like a third or fourth rounder? They got two Super Bowls out of him, and Pete Carroll. When the other team says we ain't paying the extension, you should. And, and you, the guy's been there for seven or eight years. Maybe the other team knows something, <laughs> right? You, you see where I'm coming from? Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. When we're getting rid of Russell Wilson. Yeah, they got rid of him because they knew he was he was on his way out. I mean, this no, may, maybe, great, maybe, but you see, but look at it numbers wise, he certainly wasn't on his way out. I mean, from 2018 to 2021, his quarterback rating of 103 was, to 110. Yeah, but see, that, that's the difference between football, baseball, and basketball. Football, those stats are misleading. A lot of times, say if you're behind, he throws. Who knows how it works? But guess what? His head coach says, uh, we're not giving you the money. What does that tell you? Yeah, I, if they won't give you the extension, that tells you they know something that – I don't understand how another team doesn't know that. I mean, I mean, they got the guy, and, and right off the bat, without even knowing anything, they, they gave him all that money. Now they're screwed. Well, they gave him all the money, but the problem is I think the Denver Broncos were thinking, hey, this is the Peyton Manning situation all over again. This is the Matthew Stafford situation all over again. We're just going to get – we got the defense. We got Jerry Judy. We got a, uh, the running game. Let's go out and just plug in a quarterback. Instead, they ended up again right. like the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, I know. And when you said about Pittsburgh Steelers and close – every game in the NFL is almost a one-score game. I almost swear the referees mm. – are in with Vegas and say, hey, what's this point spread again? Let me throw this <laughs> pass interference call. Doesn't seem like that. I mean, they're all one-score games. Even the, even the lousy teams are one-score games. But anyway, the last week's uh, Monday night game had the largest margin of victory of the week, and it was a 12-point win. Everything was close, right, especially right. last week. Except for my boy Baker, huh? I got a feeling. Hey, how about that? Hey, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 happy for him. I mean, he got screwed in Cleveland, and and Carolina was a terrible situation for him. You know, yeah, it's not as bad as you know. He'll he'll land somewhere. Up. At least the Jets are smart. Um, they're going to get rid of this Wilson. <laughs> Surely you're joking. 
Yeah, right. But hey, how do you like my boy uh, 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 Wilson, Garrett Wilson, for you guys? Garrett Wilson, I like. Zach Wilson, I don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's something about you, right? <laughs> we'll keep anyway, one and well, get rid of the other. All right. Well, good news. Mike White is cleared to play uh, Sunday against the Seahawks. Mike, thank you for calling in. Happy New Year. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so Mike White will be back for the New York Jets, and that's something where it's like, you know what? He's playing on a rookie contract, so he's not making any money. So you can afford to just bench your number two pick overall. Now, hopefully what would really be nice for the Jets is if they can get some get him out there and play actually play pretty good in a couple of games, then maybe you can trade him. But right now, who would you even trade for the guy? And what would you get? Maybe a seventh round pick, maybe. Right, so there's no a reason seventh to even round go that pick route. and a case of primo beer is what is what teams are willing to give up for a guy like that. Yeah, they. I wonder start if all he in college was so well. In college, he did so well that if there's something in there that somebody else can work with, for example, if he was on the Kansas City Chiefs, would he be a different quarterback? That's a question that's yet to be. He'd probably be better, but I just like again at the time when they drafted him, he had Trey, not Trey Lance, you had Mac Jones and Justin Field, and you took Zach Wilson over those two guys. That right. just I thought it was a stupid move at the time, and it's proven to be correct. They and they were praising him a month ago. He beats Buffalo. He won a couple of games, and now they're talking about he, he's not going to be on the team next year. I mean, how quickly that changed. What did people not see that earlier? He never excelled with them. He never had a game where I don't think he ever got consideration for offensive player of the week or anything like that. You don't give him a game ball when he's not yeah. doing much, even when they won. Well, and now they're losing. He's a scapegoat. Part of the problem is the Jets have lost the last four games in a row. They have one of the longest losing streaks in the NFL. So, obviously, they're going to uh, blame that on the quarterback. Although, uh, when I did watch uh, part of that game, uh, that he played in, yeah, he looked really bad. What was yeah, it ten to three they lost or whatever? I think it was eighteen minutes three, after yeah. the hour here on ESPN Honolulu. Weather wise today, it's going to be sunny, partly cloudy tonight. High in the mid eighties, low in the mid sixties. Probably for you guys in Mililani and Wahiwa. Easterly winds are ten to fifteen miles per hour. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. I wonder how many of us will be like, I was there that Christmas day when Hawaii was trailing the entire game until we won with a buzzer-beating three. Hawaii beats SMU 58-57. to That was the final score, right? Yes, it was. I wonder if Riley Wallace was watching uh, back in Vegas. Uh, watching that game, that would have made him so proud of his uh, protege, Aron oh, yeah. Ganat. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, I thought it was great marketing for them to have. I guess since SMU's colors are red and Hawaii is green, to have them wearing red and green on Christmas Day on national TV. I thought that was what a stroke of genius. That was you know, wh- whoever too. the home team was could have worn white. At though you know to go out there and, and you look at the floor and everyone's wearing half the you know half the players are red, half are green. That was cool. They should have the referees wearing white or like Santa Claus hats. <laughs> yeah, right. Have Santa Claus hats for the referees. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> 
Or clown noses. A lot of people think they're clowns anyway. Yeah. So hopefully it was successful uh, for our partners at ESPN Events here with the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. Come from behind win for Middle Tennessee over San Diego State. And then the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic with a, uh, a good competitive field. Now, there was no North Carolina or Duke or anything like that. Uh, in this tournament, but you had a, you know, Washington State, Rick Patino was in the house. That was kind of cool, but it was a great, uh, it was a great competition. And these, these were really good games, I think, because you didn't have like one or two really good teams where the outcome is all, you know, what the outcome is going to be. Say if North Carolina or UConn or somebody was playing in this tournament, yeah. it was a very competitive tournament. I, I thought it was a good, uh, for that reason, it was a good field. I think that's a really good point, too. There was a couple of blowouts, but only maybe two. But, like, even the first game of the tournament was Iona and SMU. That game was 85-81. Down to the wire, high-scoring game. You had a lot of games that were really, really close. Um, I mean, just a lot, a couple of two-point games got down to the wire, and that made Washington the tournament State's a lot game. better. Washington State's game, their first game of the season, they won at the buzzer, the three-point shot. Right, and they had a two-point win in another game as well. Uh, so th- there were some really good dramatic games going on in this tournament. So maybe not the top 20, as you said, but still some good teams. And I think a number of them will be in postseason, whether it's the NCAA or NIT. And we got to see some really good basketball over the course of those three days with those 12 games. So Hawaii takes the championship. SMU, of course, is the runner-up. Uh, Utah State uh, finished third. Disappointing uh, loss, uh, disappointing for Washington State. They go one and two, and they finish fourth in this uh, tournament. Iona takes fifth, Pepperdine sixth, and then uh, Seattle uh, did get their final, uh, did get a win finally on Christmas Day. George Washington, I guess, was the only team that really kind of didn't belong. Yeah, somebody's got to go zero and three every time there's a tournament like this, and it was GW's turn. Yeah, they just they were just missing a little something. I mean, the game against Seattle, they were down by twenty one points at halftime. So I, I think maybe at that point you're playing eight thirty in the morning on Christmas. Uh, you maybe don't have as much incentive as you did maybe on opening night. Rob Jones, uh, new assistant coach for the Rainbow Warriors, is going to join us. In a few minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. And keep listening because after that we're going to give away our turkey-to-go feast for a family of six to eight from Pagoda Banquets and Catering. By the way, PagodaHawaii.com, the place to go to order yours. But uh, we're going to give away that thank- uh, Thanksgiving. We're going to give that New Year's Eve feast uh, along with a couple of tickets to Rainbow Warrior Basketball after we talk with Rob Jones. So that's all upcoming. So, University of Hawaii improves to 17 and 18 overall in this Diamond Head Classic. First title in 13 appearances. Yeah, never even in the championship game. I know they were in the third place game, I believe, against Auburn and Colorado over the years. And those actually drew pretty good crowds because of the name teams and you're playing for third place. So it's a lot better when you get that first win. At least you're in the winner's bracket the rest of the way. But um, I didn't realize what their win-loss record over the 13 years was, but it was great to go 3-0, and get a little momentum for conference play, and all in exciting, dramatic fashion. Again, again, better teams than they played for the most part in November. And conference play coming up Thursday against UC Davis, Saturday against Cal Poly at the Stan Sheriff Center. Again, we're going to give away some tickets in a moment, but if you want to buy your tickets, etickethawaii.com, 
makes it super, super easy. So the name of the game, really, Jovan McClanahan is the MVP of the tournament, and uh, Noel Coleman uh, made the all-tournament team as well. But the name of the game for Hawaii was defense. And you saw, even guys in his brief appearances, more sec at the rim. I thought that uh, Bernardo De Silva played a little bit more tough. I mean, he had it going back and forth. Uh, McGeady, is that the guy's name for SMU? I mean, he was going back and forth, back and forth with him uh, during this game. And it was, you know, it was a battle going on. Uh, I thought that Kamaka Hepa, he should get some kind of award or at least recognition. After the first game, offensively, he wasn't, you know, wasn't there. But, man, the defense that Kamaka Heppel plays, and especially after that first game, you, you still got to watch him. You still got to, uh, offensively, uh, the, the defenders on the other team got to watch him or he'll go off. But defensively, what Hawaii did was unbelievable. They held their opponents to 59.3 points a game. And 39% shooting from the tournament from the field. That's pretty special, isn't it? Oh, it's very special. And they've done a good job all year long. That's maybe one of the most consistent areas for this team all year is their defense. They've done a really good job keeping teams really down. I mean, the opening weekend, they kept everybody below 61, I, th- I think, something like that. And they are in the top 20 or 25 in the defensive field goal percentage and three-point shooting. And that, that'll go a long way because if you have, again, a guy like Noel Coleman maybe having an off night, maybe defended well, your defense can make up for that. And not every team, I mean, I'm sure every team tries on defense, but you can accomplish a lot or make up for a lot. There's no excuse for not defending well. If, you, if the other team has more talent than you, well, maybe, you know, they're going to score more, they're going to stop you guys, but you can defend hard, and if you do it the right way, you can make a difference that way. And I, I, I love that this team has taken that approach and been really consistent really all season long. Bernardo De Silva offensively, along with Beyon Riley. Uh, score 13 apiece, the leading scorers for the team, 13 apiece against SMU in that championship game. And that's what kind of game it was. It was one where Samuta Avea, you know, he played 20 minutes. And uh, did he get in foul trouble? No, no he, he only had a couple of fouls, was, but Avea. He was struggling offensively, and when they put the other lineup in, it was just working out a lot better. So he just nearly didn't play much in the second half. Uh, Kamaka Hepa, a total of five points. McClanahan, five points. But three really important ones with one second left. Uh, Noel Coleman had nine points. It was a weird game where Beyond Riley comes in and he's got, uh, he had four fouls too, by the way. 13 points. He got an assist. Uh, he's got a couple of turnovers. He had a steal. But uh, Beyond Riley was, uh, he was quite quite uh helpful if you will in that game against smu he's kind of an unsung hero as well i voted for him for mvp you have to hand in your ballots with like eight or nine minutes left you voted for beyond riley for mvp of the tournament yeah yeah at the time he had i think he had the three best games i mean kamaka had a good first night nobody else had nobody else had three good days of basketball as much as beyond did now again that was with like eight minutes left or so of the game and that's what put Jovan over the top. But, I, yeah, I had Beyond Riley as the MVP. Wow. Beyond Riley played uh, against Washington State. He played 14 minutes and had five points. 
And it wasn't against... just a point. You look at everything else he did, all three games, defensively, hustle plays, going after 50-50 balls, altering shots, and the points. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was by far the most consistent player over those three games for Hawaii. Yeah, I can see how no one else would vote for him just because he doesn't have any kind of numbers, right? And if you're talking about somebody for uh, hustle and consistency on defense, my vote would have to go to Kamaka Hepa just because he played twice as much as Beyond Riley. That would be my vote. If you're just okay. going to vote on somebody's hustle, although well, I, nobody just, else really votes on, on every, that. On everything. everything Except the offense. No, I thought he had, he, he had 13. But you don't have to score 25 points to be the MVP. I mean, nobody was scoring 25 points right. a game. Right. Nobody Jovan scored 25 points a game in this. Jo- yeah, and, and I guess probably because he got that buzzer beater or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm guessing that was it, and he was solid enough. But if you're playing, if you're beyond Riley and you're playing 14 minutes in one game and I don't have the time on the other one, and then uh, you did play 26 minutes, you're not going to get it. I don't think you get an MVP award for that. I mean, it, you got, again, you should recognize guys like Samuta Avea, Kamaka Hepa, and Beyond Riley. These guys came out and they played hard. Every game, consistently. I, I, just with that, I would go with Beyond over the other two guys, too. Shot better than the other right, two guys we'll be, overall? Very, very. Uh, Rob Jones, uh, Rainbow Warrior assistant basketball coach. He's going to join us next here on ESPN Honolulu. It was an early, or maybe not an early, but it was a nice Christmas present that the University of Hawaii basketball team gave to all their fans and themselves. On Christmas, we're going to talk a little bit more about the tournament and what's ahead as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline assistant coach, making us a first appearance on our show, Rob Jones with us. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Has the excitement from Sunday, Christmas, late afternoon, early evening worn off yet? Oh, it has it has not. I finally got my voice back after the diamond head stuff. <laughs> so it came just in time to talk to you guys. Uh, I really appreciate you calling me in. Appreciate it. And uh, happy belated Mele Kikimaka. Well, you too, and nice happy job. New Year to you and your nice family job, as well. Coach. <laughs> Coming up, we do have tickets to Rainbow Warrior basketball we're giving away, so keep listening to that. In the end of that game, and I look at the last minute of Sunday's championship game against SMU, you guys are down by two, 57-55, and on two consecutive possessions, threw the ball away. Noel Coleman off his foot. I think Samucha might have thrown one out of bounds. And I didn't think the chances were high. It was just too many opportunities that didn't go your way. What was the game plan or the play call coming out of that uh, stoppage with 4.8 seconds left? You know, um, obviously it was to, to, get, to get, get a foul. You know, get them to the line and try to get the ball back. You know, we're at our home, home, home gym, uh, and you know our fans do a great job, and they kind of rattled those guys, and they're able to. We're lucky enough to get some misses, and you know we work on situations like this all the time in practice. So our guys are composed. You know, even though you make mistakes, like you know Noel bouncing off his foot, uh, Samuda getting a little rattled, trying to speed up the play a little bit, but. That we just continue with the process. You know, those plays are going to happen. We got to we got to work through it, and our guys stay composed even with those mistakes. You know, we ran a play. Um, Javon was able to, 
get down the floor quick enough and get a shot up, and you know, and <laughs> it's, it's history right there. You know, one of the things I had Jovan on the post game and the fans' voice, and I mentioned how it seemed like this team has done this consistently, and especially on Sunday, where they don't seem rattled in a situation where you could see a team maybe. Not really giving up, but knowing that the game was not going to go their way, they never looked like that on the court. I think that says a lot about this team. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, this team, time and time again, continues to rise to the uh, the moment. You know, the opportunity to uh, seize just great opportunities like this, and to continue to be in these situations. You know, I, I tell the team, as a team after the game. Um, Good teams win close games. Great teams don't win. I mean, great teams don't play close games. You know, so we're we're mm. continuing to try to get to that level. You know, it's great that we can mm. pull out these uh, these wins, and you know, this historic win. But we want to get to the level where we don't have to hit a buzzer beater, you know, to win it. But again, we'll take all the wins we can get. University of Hawaii men's basketball assistant coach Rob Jones joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. We've, we've been talking, and I think a lot of fans have been talking about the play of Beyond Riley, how he's elevated his game this season. Bench player last year, but didn't really seem to contribute the way he's doing. What have you seen in Beyond Riley to see to show how he has made his game so much better overall offensively and especially defensively and what he's added to this team coming off the bench? Well, Beyond Beyond's made a great jump in his game. Uh, you know, I thought there's a couple of contributing factors to it. One, I think he's really bought in. You know, you come in and you get sparse minutes. You know, and even me in my situation, coaching him, la- coaching against him last year, I wasn't too sure if he was confident in his role. But this year, he had a full summer. He had a great summer, um, and then coming into it, he's been slowly and steadily just rising to the occasion. You know. He's doing the dirty work. He's he's a grizzly out there for us. You know, no one wants to go against him. He rebounds really well. Uh, he's a monster on the offensive glass. And then he's starting to hit a couple shots. And then, you know, inside around that the paint area, he can really he's really effective with using his body, staying under control. So it's just a lot of contributing factors. And I think he's really, really identifying who he is as a player right now. Yeah, fantastic showing early on for Beyond. Also, it was fun to watch a guy like Bernardo da Silva, who has struggled a little bit offensively at times. First half had two points, and he was in foul trouble like a couple of other guys. Second half was almost like a new Bernardo da Silva. It's like what we've seen a little bit in the past. It was great to see him erupt the way he did offensively and defensively. Yeah, you know, I think the roller coaster he's had this year, uh, you know, kind of messes with your confidence, but it's it's good to see him fight through those struggles because in games in the past, he hasn't, he hasn't been able to pick it up, you know? So I think this is a big stride, you know, through going forward that he knows that, Hey, there's always a second half or there's always the next play. And I think that's the attitude and mentality of most of these guys on the team that, you know, we're, we're not going to be perfect, but you know, we're Hawaii basketball and we're going to strive to be perfect and we're going to keep continuing you know, to make plays even though we make mistakes. 
I want to talk about one more player, then we'll talk about the Big West Conference play starting this week. Morsek is not a guy we've talked about too much as far as his great performances, but I thought all weekend he had good game, and especially on Sunday. In limited minutes, I think it might have been a high form of 12-and-a-half. The nine points, six rebounds, and a couple of blocked shots. He just seems to be a guy now that can really make a difference in some of these games with his size and strength, and it seems like he's more comfortable on the court as well. No doubt, no doubt. So Moore, Moore wasn't able to have a summer. He had to finish up some, some uh, academic stuff. And then, so our our whole goal with him was each month, let's get him a little better. Let's get him up to speed, you know. Um, and he's done that. You know, he's one of our most physical players um, on the court um, and athletic. So he, and he really makes a difference, you know, defensively. He's able to block shots at the rim level he's able to make his presence inside even if he's not touching the ball just by by sealing and ducking and creating avenues for players to get in the paint and then his offensive rebounding he's uh he's a specimen so <laughs> that helps but uh he's really coming in and our whole goal was to get him ready for january 1st or, or league play and he's going to continue to develop uh he's a great kid he works hard um I think he's going to have a lot of success here in the, in the future of Hawaii. Rob Jones, assistant coach for the men's basketball team for the University of Hawaii, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. Okay, conference play starts Thursday, UC Davis. Saturday, we'll have Cal Poly coming in. How does the coaching staff try to make sure that what you have right now as far as confidence and momentum will continue? As we all know, conference play is a totally different animal. No doubt, no doubt. I think our guys going into it are going to be really confident, you know, winning the diamond head. I think they're in a great place, but it's our job, you know, to keep their head on straight. And, you know, we're starting to prepare the scout for UC Davis, and we'll present stuff. And, you know, they got a good team. You know, they've, they've had some good wins against Sac State, uh, Cal, um, so and Boston University. So they're a good team, and we're going to prepare for them. But like I said, you know, winning the Diamond Head and winning the games we had, you know, winning the North Shore Classic, um, I think our guys are in a position, you know, where they're feeling confident and good going into conference. And, you know, that's what we want, you know, as a preseason uh, second-pick team. So, One last question before we let you go. You mentioned earlier you coached against Hawaii last year. You were at UC Riverside as an assistant coach. When a coach in your position goes to another team in the same conference, are you letting these guys on the team this year know what you guys did to maybe defend them last year, what maybe other teams are looking at as far as maybe trying to exploit or expose them? Uh, most definitely. You know, <laughs> uh, I think my my unique position of actually coaching against these guys, watching multiple games and scouting against Hawaii and presenting a scout against them, I think it puts me in a position like, here's our weaknesses, here's what we can get better at, and, you know, it's not going to be in the forefront of what we talk about, because we want to talk about our guys getting better and giving them, and, you know, giving them a place of confidence, but it is a unique position, and I think it has helped, um, you know, because our league is different in the way they guard, there's a lot of ice um, on, the, on the ball screens, and we don't do that, so we don't see it as often, but Riverside did, so I know the, the schemes behind it. So I think it has helped um, so far, and hopefully it will going into league. Well, great performance over the weekend. A lot of happy fans, that's for sure, on Christmas afternoon. And we get the conference play starting this week. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. We'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. And, of course, good luck as the Big West starts on Thursday night. Hey, 
appreciate you guys. Uh, you guys have a great day. All right, you too. Thank you so much. Rob Jones, assistant coach for the University of Hawaii men's basketball team, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. See ya in a Kia. Okay, of course. I would think as a coach you're going to tell him what he saw when you're, you're – how did you defend against Hawaii? Oh, well, I'll keep that secret. Hey, uh, time to give away Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets. Who wants to go? In fact, we're going to do this. We'll give away a pair of tickets at 808-296-1420. Think of an easy trivia question, Dickman. Okay. And we'll also give you a uh, 12 to 14-pound whole roast turkey dinner. It's a New Year's feast to go from PagodaHawaii.com. You can also order a a quarter roast prime rib as well. We're giving away the whole roast turkey dinner here. With stuffing, gravy, cranberry relish, mashed potatoes, candied yams, nishime, sweet bed rolls, and dessert. Hot and ready to serve. You can pick it up on either um, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day at the Pagoda. So call in now at 808-296-1420. This is a prize package valued at about $300. So call in. We'll have an easy trivia question for you. Easy, but not stupid easy, if that makes any sense. Uh Uh-oh. We'll get our winner coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Okay, we got a trivia question. Got some prizes to give away here from Pagoda Banquets and Catering. And, uh, of course, your official audio home of rainbow warrior sports espn honolulu jay you're first in are you ready hello hello okay here you go you ready hey jay how are you okay i couldn't make it super super easy i'll make it just easy Okay, here we go. Can you give me the name of either one of the Rainbow Warrior basketball players that made the all-tournament team? Two are on it. Give us the name of one of them, either one. Jovan McClanahan. Good. (laughs) Yes, he's the MVP, and you are as well. He's very excited. There's a little bit of a delay. Good job by you. Thank you very much, and uh, you have won the, uh, of course, from the official audio home of University of Hawaii Sports, ESPN Honolulu. You got the uh, basketball tickets, or I believe Thursday, and a whole roast turkey feast to go, including all those things we told you about moments ago. And uh, it's a prize pack worth over $300. And, uh, folks, if you want to get your new year's feast to go whether you want a roast turkey or roast prime rib you can do it from pagoda hawaii.com congratulations Avanda inbound boys got no timeouts inbound comes into mcclanahan with three seconds mcclanahan with two mcclanahan with one leading for three oh! it's good it's good and a foul and it will not matter hawaii has won the diamond head classic <laughs> I love it. Can you play that again? Is that Derek Lowe? Let me hear that. And a foul, and it will not matter. Hawaii has won the Diamond Head Classic. A little bit before that, I want to hear Derek Lowe. Derek Lowe, amazing. Eight I've never three. heard it. Oh! It's good. 
go, broadcast team. That must have been exciting for them uh, sitting there calling that game. It's like he stops, he pops. Whoa! I mean, you got to understand, Hawaii never even led during that game, really. Yeah, except for the first couple of minutes. And, again, to get a shot like that in that situation, I I, mean, I didn't think it was going in. I didn't have a great angle on it, I guess, but I was surprised like everybody else that it went in. And then so many videos from different angles. There was another video from behind where Josh and Derek were sitting announcing when Josh kind of jumped up at the end. And for him to do that, I mean, just shows what special, what a special moment it was. And you can hear the excitement in his voice. That uh, Again, that was something that will never be forgotten. And when we had Jovan on at the end of the game, I asked him how many text messages he had. He didn't get to check yet. I, I said the under-over is 186. But I also said, well, you got to remember now after today, NIL. Give this guy an NIL. Give him a good one after that. He definitely deserves more than whatever he's getting already after what he did on Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, that was um, that was that was a special moment in University of Hawaii basketball history, just because it meant so much. You know, never even gone to a championship game. Remember, you're on national TV. This is on ESPN two, national TV. I'm sure it was early enough where I'm sure it had a lot of eyeballs on the game, and for it to end like that, uh, that's just. That's just crazy. Now I remember Bobby Nash hitting one against Oral Roberts, I think falling down a three-pointer uh, to win the game. And we've had a couple of these special games, uh, even back in the day at the Blaisdell. Uh, I don't remember who the player was, but everyone knows which game I'm talking about against BYU. Trevor Ruffin. Corner, uh, corner Trevor Ruffin from the corner to win the game. And those were all regular season games. But this was, uh, even though it wasn't a conference game and, you know, it's you would rather go, you know, win a bunch of conference games, I think, than win some preseason games. But this was, for the basketball team, this was something that a lot of people could enjoy and consume because of the Christmas holiday, maybe at home watching, uh, if they weren't in the arena, but a national audience. And you won a tournament title. I think that's what makes this win so big and it was so improbable because it wasn't like it was a back and forth game Hawaii trailed basically the whole time and we're down by 12 points at 10 minutes left so yeah. anyway we got to run uh we will see you tomorrow morning at six o'clock here more tickets for you to win this afternoon on espn honolulu